Hello everyone, welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast starring me, Stephen Hill, and co-star... Starring? <laughs> you have got above your station, my friend. Starring? Well, the, the thing is, is it, because I will be playing a more of a minimal part in today's podcast, I just, I'm, I'm overshooting. It's all, about, it's all about perception. The real star of the show is sat there. It's Mr. Renfrey Deadman. Oh, mate, that's very kind of well, you. Well, the only reason I say that, Renfrey, is because um, this week, uh, our main feature, I, I was going to kind of do a little preamble at the start, but you spoke to Frontera. which I will did. be You went to see Frontera. I did. And you spoke to them as well, and I that did. will make up the kind of the meat mm-hmm. of uh, episode five of Riot yes. Act. Yes, absolutely. It's quite exciting, isn't it? It was a great chat um, about a band who I think are really pushing the boundaries in an absolutely ridiculous way, in a way which is almost too much, or it feels... For a lot of people, it is too much. It, yeah, it does feel too much, um, mm. but we'll talk about that, unless you want to talk about it now. I no, 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 we'll let's save it for later on, on because okay. as I said, it is the uh, the headline the, yeah, bit yeah, yeah. of this week's podcast. Um, shout out Musicism, obviously, to, uh, which we are part of. Musicism. Uh, net is the place to go if you want to be, if you're a budding guitarist, singer-songwriter, uh, or producer, then you can sign up for the fine courses at Musicism. And uh, you will be just just better. You'll probably yeah. be a better person. Yeah, yeah, as well. yeah. Like yeah, a yeah. more they, kind of morally strong. Your moral compass will improve as well as your musical skills. They are looking into personality courses and just yeah. to make you a better better dude or dudette. Well, that's something I could definitely sign up for. It's nine ninety nine a month. Um, you can also get twenty five percent off when you put in the code Riot, all in capital letters, at the checkout. So that's musicism dot com. Thank you very much uh, to those guys who started that company up for allowing us to um, jump on board the musicism boat. I know you said train then, but I think they're more of a boat. Mm, ship, yes, a kind of vessel. Yeah, like a big ship. What like are we? A if, tanker. They're, if they're a vessel, what part of the? If you're if you're on on the on the sort of pirate ship, Renfrey, not to get too hailstorm about it, but if you're on a pirate ship, what what um what would you be? Uh, what rank? Yeah, cook, cook. Mm. You can't get rid of the cook because you sure only that. ever have one cook. You mm. can't make the cook walk the plank because then no one else can um no one else can eat. Mm. So yeah, cook. I only really know captain, first mate, and cook. Okay, and I don't think I'd be any of them. So I'm just going to say you the, could be the rigging, the humour. <laughs> the, f- the fun guy <laughs> yeah um so coming up on today's show uh there's been a pretty big uh it's been a, it's been the last couple of weeks there's been a lot of big releases out so uh, in addition to renfrey talking to frontier and obviously talking about the live show that you saw with those with them and conjurer uh we will also be kind of rounding up the big releases of the mm. last couple of weeks yeah. because there has been a lot of big releases over yeah. the last few weeks but really we're not really a kind of a review show really are we it's not We're it's not, not our uh it's not our main our main focus, focus. yeah mm-hmm. but um but and when we do we like to review things that maybe people would be slightly less familiar with but it's always good to 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 point out the kind of big things that are coming out so we're yeah, going to be talking about the recent releases from alice in chains from interpol from death cab for, for cutie for mark lanagan and duke garwood and from idols so that's going to happen. And as well, uh, I think last week, quite a few people signed up to our Patreon page. Ooh. And we can actually reveal something that we're going to be doing for the Patreon page as well. Can we? It's up, well, it's up on the Patreon page now, so I think we might as well Excellent. talk about it. I've, like, I've, I've been in different countries right, and fine. I haven't even looked at it. That's fine. I mean, we can edit this out if I'm getting my <laughs> no, like knickers fine. in a twist. But well, we'll do Patreon.com forward slash Riot Act 
podcasts. If you want to chuck a little bit of money at us to make sure that the uh, the uh, sort of the production of this podcast goes smoothly, we'll yeah. try and put all of the money that we make into making this as, as good as we possibly can. Please, please um, don't literally chuck it at us because you know small change can hurt if it gets in your way. Hey, or... I don't mind if you make a little paper airplane out of a fifty pound note. And throw it at me. <laughs> <laughs> oh god imagine that anyway <clears throat> don't feel obliged but do tell your friends that we exist go and find us on Facebook and Twitter but yeah if you want to give us some money um, on the Patreon page as I said patreon.com forward slash right act podcast and what we're doing um, we've been doing the kind of the album swap which is now the name for me mm. giving you an album and you giving I an album what we're going to do we're going to do a monthly show especially for the Patreons uh, where you as a patron will get to suggest an album for me and Renfrey to listen to ah. and we will be taking five to ten of those albums once a month yep. listening to them and doing a show for you guys on the patreon page uh where your suggestions get kind of dissected um by myself and renfrey so Excellent. there you go if you give us some cash and you've got something that you really really want to talk about there's been some wicked suggestions already i know we're going to do bonover this is yes, going to be one, yes one yes, of the yes. first ones we're going to do um uh, I'm going to keep the rest of them to myself. But there have been some really good suggestions, I have to say. So, well done, you. Uh, what has been going on this week? <laughs> that wasn't patronising at all. Yeah, it wasn't meant to be. Well, I mean, maybe it was. It wasn't meant to be. If it was patronising, <laughs> then I'm really sorry. That was patronising. Sorry, go on. Um, so this week, so what have you been up to? You went to, to Iceland. Can we talk about that? Yeah, we can talk about Iceland a bit. Um, Iceland is excellent. Uh, Iceland is excellent. It is. It is a really amazing country. I went to see Skalmold. Do you know Skalmold? <sighs> Spell it. S K A L M O L D. I think. No, I don't know them. Okay, I think it's someone else. Kind of. So I would say that normally it probably wouldn't be the sort of thing we'd cover on this show, but um, sort of Viking metal kind of thing. Maybe a bit of power metal in there as well. Okay. But they were playing with a two hundred piece orchestra. Oh wow! It was immense now i'm going to be totally honest i sort of hope that people aren't listening. oh actually that people might be listening people because... were from metal hammer no 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 um uh, uh scale mods okay but um honestly it's not really my cup of tea mm. but i was completely blown away i mean it's very difficult not to be blown away by a band playing with an orchestra yeah. um i've never seen that you know oh it's, it, like if you, yeah. if you get an opportunity if you get an opportunity it's amazing and uh uh they they had a uh two choirs uh a adult choir and a children's choir and the children's choir like they'd ask them to like throw the horns and like um uh just sort of bop along to the music and stuff like that and it was really really cute and then they've got you know massive string section and loads of crazy crazy percussion instruments and stuff like that like you know you know that sheet that makes the wind noise yeah stuff like that yeah. It, it was absolutely... A wobble board. The wobble board, yeah. Is, that, is it? Oh, that was no, a joke. No, that's, a that's, that's the Rolf Harris thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it we is. We shouldn't mention well, Rolf Harris. <laughs> it used to be the Rolf Harris thing. Yeah. I think something else is the Rolf Harris thing now. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was an amazing trip. I also got to spend a little bit of time with Agent Fresco, which is far more... Yeah, you more heard new Agent Fresco material. I did indeed. Okay, well, let's not spoil that. Well, I can't talk about it too mm-hmm. much, really, but I really enjoyed myself. Good. That's good. That's good. Uh, I went to something quite different. What I went to, I went to the Heavy Music Awards, the second uh, annual Heavy Music Awards mm-hmm. at Coco. At Coco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I was in the VIP section because I'm a very important person. Of course. Yeah. So, but then, so is everyone else who was there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean that both figuratively and literally. Um, 
So, yeah, I'm just going to sort of, I'll talk about the, the sort of performances of the bands rather than the actual awards yeah. or anything, because I've got to be perfectly honest with you. I don't pay a lot of heed to the idea of an award ceremony. No. I think if you have a brand, like obviously we both work for Metal Hammer, I think Metal Hammer do a fucking unbelievably grand job of putting on an award ceremony. And I think even even if you spoke to Merlin at Hammer mm-hmm. about the Golden Gold, I think he'd probably even go like, you know, we do it because we have a brand and we did it. Not because they kind of want to backslap and go, aren't we great at mm-hmm. Metal Hammer? And mm-hmm. they put on a show like this year they had Baroness and Meshuggah and Merka and yeah. Partway Drive yeah. and uh, Carpenter Brute. Yeah. I get Jamie Jaster and Ozzy coming down. So it does Maynard really... James Keenan. Maynard James Keenan. Maynard James Keenan. It's amazing. Don't remind me of that. Um, <laughs> I interviewed Maynard just as a, a, a little flight, little <laughs> look behind the curtain. Oh, yeah. And I turned into an absolute quivering bellend of the <laughs> highest proportions and some people pay a lot of money for quivering bellends so, yeah well you know. maynard looked at me like he was going to snap my neck like a twig. <laughs> he hated me i was only speaking to him for three minutes and he was like you're probably the worst person i've ever spoken to and <laughs> i was awful so awful anyway i cannot think about that um but anyway yeah so i think that you know the, the golden gods is, is a is a great thing Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, for you know, for an award ceremony, I think they they get it just right. I think it's very very difficult to be a kind of an independent award ceremony, and it will take a long time for that to build up to mm-hmm. be a, mm-hmm. a sort of to feel like there's to feel like there's any kind of gravitas towards it. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I don't think you can just kind of pop up and go, "Hello, we're going to do awards, and you should care." Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that was reflected in the fact that. Uh, although the VIP area was ram-packed and mm. there were 40-minute queues at the bar mm. in the sort of top half of Coco, the bottom half of Coco was like... I, mean, I don't know if you've ever seen a gig at like <laughs> the second band on on a Friday night at Coco when yeah. they come on at like quarter to seven yeah. and there's probably like 200 people there. Yeah. Black Peaks played to about that many people. Really? Um, yeah, you know, not mm. great. I think the thing is, is um, people who are invited to these events probably should be slightly careful about what i say um but people who are invited to these these events are within the industry and um it's a lot of networking going a lot of networking and i don't know how much those people care about what's actually going on on stage well the evidence would suggest that they didn't really care about i mean to be honest like i I watched all the Black Peaks because I thought they were fucking great. I got mm-hmm. there just as the first band whose name escapes me uh, were finishing. Cold Bones. Cold Bones, yeah. I didn't see any of them at all. They were literally just walking off stage as I got there. post uh, Yeah, I watched Black Peaks who were who were brilliant, but like, you know, it did feel a little bit like they were sort of... There's a lot of people talking during them. And I watched Milk Teeth again. Milk Teeth's first gig with M. Foster from Nervous yeah, playing I didn't, guitar. Yeah, I didn't know about this until the other day. Yeah, That's yeah. That's cool. Is yeah, that wicked. Is that a regular thing? Is that kind of I don't know. I, yeah, okay. I don't know, but like, I'm glad to see it because yeah. M's brilliant. Yeah, she's fantastic. Like, she's she's in fucking a million bands now. Yeah. But um, no, I think that's a great... Great shout, and they're good. I mean, they're always they're always yeah. good. Milk teeth and um, so, ditto for Black Peaks. The awards, the awards, kind of passed me by a little bit. Like to be perfectly honest, <laughs> I know, um, I know, uh, sick for one best album artwork for the future in those in uh, eyes. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, yeah. okay. that's good. Yeah. And Milk teeth one kind of best breakthrough band as well. Yeah. I think um, uh, not loose one something as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. 
can't remember anything else. Um, <laughs> and um, just a lot of people talking around me. And then the Fever 333 came on. And the Fever 333, who you were absolutely giddy about last week. I thought they were quite good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who <coughs> were really good. Like, they did basically the same shtick as they, they'd done the night before, or what mm-hmm. I'd seen it download as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Jace, How long did they play out of interest? Like, half an hour, 40, okay. 45 minutes, something like that. And... Um, uh, Jason got in the crowd pretty much straight away. I saw he was um, climbing the balconies. Wasn't got on a balcony like him and the guitarist uh, from uh, the chariot. Yeah, from the chariot. Uh, anyway, well, they both they were. Off. It was really good, but it did feel a little bit like um, it wasn't as quite as exciting. Steve. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Oh, was, as in as in Steve is his name. Yeah. Not. I wasn't just pointing at you, Steve, and saying, yeah. "Oh, Steve. you remembered my name." Cheers. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it was. It was good, but it was like, you know, I I'd, I was a bit like, <laughs> by that point, mm-hmm. uh, I was sort of done. But anyway, there you go. Congratulations to all the winners. Um, maybe actually turn up and collect your award next year. <laughs> um, so i tell you what else. We're going to talk about album swap in a minute. And uh, we got a tweet. We did say to people like, play at home. If mm-hmm. you're doing that. Yeah. Got a tweet from a, a guy called Alan. He said, this week's podcast got me thinking. That Entubed album was quite a left turn, but has there ever been a more career-defining, unexpected album than the Manics with Holy Bible? Might be the best ever thought. So this isn't the biggest sort of stylistic, sonic change that a band have had, but mm-hmm. the kind of most successful or the one that is most career-defining. Any thoughts on that at all, Renfrey? I mean, I don't really want to argue too much against the Holy Bible because... One of the best. I mean, it's probably it's in my top sort of five or six albums ever made ever. So I, I ain't saying nothing bad about the Manics, but you know there are a few others for sure. This might be controversial, but I would argue. Um, in fact, it will be controversial, but I would argue the change from Pretty Hate Machine to Broken Nine Inch Nails, just bringing in more. I know it's not massively left field from that what it was like an evolution rather than an outright yeah change, you're probably right no yeah yeah there's two that enough. really really spring out at me yeah. antenna by cave-in yes not antenna sorry jupiter by cave-in yes jupiter would be i mean actually both are pretty different but jupiter by cave-in is it's a one masterpiece yeah, yeah and it's a hell of a change from like you know slayer riffs and screaming to kind yeah. of rush style post-punk yeah um like probably brilliant. post-punk but fucking incredible and the other one I think is, is so obvious that you don't even think about it anymore because it's been aped and tried by so many other bands but gotta say the Black Album yeah I guess I mean when you I go guess, from mm. when you go from Man Justice for All to the Black Album I mean it only feels you only, like anyone who says the Black Album isn't good I, I'm always like you're mental you either don't like that type of music full stop or you're just being like a contrary prick mm. like the Black Album is amazing i would ar- i would argue more black album to load is i, I think i think black really? album i oh, think black album on. to load is more of a change than justice to black album i'm not no saying no way mm. no way how can you say that well i, I, I literally, mean, I literally just said it you did so, just uh, say it. <laughs> but that's i think that's insane i mean i think again like there's a lot of hard rock bangers on the black album as there are on load yeah, but and Justice for All is this massive like all the songs are eleven minutes long, fifty nine different riffs, mm. no bass, mm. tinny and you know famously quite badly produced. Even though like I'm mm. doesn't bother me. No, it, uh, it was thirty years old yesterday. 
Was Injustice it? Rule. Yeah. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Injustice Rule. My uh, favourite Metallica album. Mine too. As is yours. Yeah, 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 it's great. And um, so, I, you know, I love it. But I just think, you know, you don't mention the Black Album so much anymore because so many bands go, and then we made our Black Album and it's become almost like a career. Like no one really did that before. No one really in metal kind of went, and then we make a massive kind of stadium rock album, which turns mm. us into the biggest band in the world when we used to be, you know, one of the heaviest bands around. I think I, that's a massive stylistic leap and a very, very successful one. I think there is a. Um, I I, th- I think you could you could you could say that both Justice to Black and Black to Load. I mean, I guess Load wasn't. I guess Load wasn't. Well, of course, it was successful, but not not successful in the way that the Black Album was a success, successful no. change. Um, I do feel like Load is quite quite a left turn for Metallica personally mama said like that's mama said and i mean if if we're including reload as well um you know like low man's lyric and stuff like that hurdy-gurdy metallica yeah but it's still a kind of continuation of like a hard rock base yeah i mean i i to be honest with you i i wouldn't uh we're sort of going back to episode zero here but i i wouldn't ever have a problem with anyone calling the black album a hard rock album but i view the Black Album as a metal album. We've got long and, hair on that, haven't they? So. <laughs> exactly, which means it's a metal album. <laughs> and Load as a hard rock album, hmm. personally. But, you know, like... Yeah, I mean, I, yeah that's fine. We, we, we are... We are it's, that's it's, splitting... Yeah, we're splitting hairs. Yeah, quite yeah, hair. yeah. I, I think, you know... But certainly, there's no getting away from the fact that And Justice For All is not just a metal album. It is a furious, <clears throat> angry, difficult, challenging, progressive easily the angriest james hetfield's ever been i think yeah like fuming on yeah. that record to go that to, to go from that to <coughs> nothing else matters yeah no actually that's fair that's a very fair point and obviously people went ballistic with that but then you know people went ballistic with fade to black as well i mean you could argue kill them all to ride the lightning mm. as well still i still think ride the lightning is a thrash record though yes but I would say that they are opposite ends of the thrash spectrum. Yeah, I'm not sure that's enough to make it like one of the all-time greatest sort of left turns. Yeah, Do you fair know enough, what I mean? Fair enough. I think when you look at like the, I mean, we just mentioned when we mentioned in, what Entomb did, when yeah, you mentioned what, uh, what sure. the Manix did, sure. and you mentioned what Cave-In did, I don't think just going, we've made a really fast thrash album and then another thrash album, but it's got a ballad on it. I don't think that's as big yeah. a, ju- a jump. I can't any more for any more. I can't think of any other off the top of my head. Uh, um, successful ones is is tough. I can think mm. of plenty of bands who've done it, but yeah, successful I, it, ones. It's difficult, isn't it? Who actually kind of made their career better for yeah going that way. I mean, there are a couple of records that have come out recently which I think might um, do that, but on a far far smaller scale, such as well, um, Death uh, Heaven. Uh, I don't. I know you really think that's a massive change that record, but I don't think it's as much of a change as you do. I don't think personally. I, I was actually thinking. I mean, I don't think I've mentioned them at all on this podcast. But um, there's this band called Foxing. I don't know if you're aware. <laughs> um, uh, I would argue the uh, now. Well, this was a very controversial album, um, but I think the new Wonder Years album could potentially be um, a the start of something new or maybe even no closer to heaven you could argue yeah but even yeah then, no closer to well i think no closer to heaven is very different like, i'm not bothered by um the oldest the, the, the 
the greatest generation. Like I know people rave about that. Yeah. But it's just not for me. Whereas I love No Closer. Yeah, Man. exactly, exactly. Anyway, um, so there you go. Uh, there you go, Alan. But yes, you're right. I think the Manic's Holy Bible is the one for me personally. For me, I, but Kid A. Yes. Kid, oh God. How Kid the fuck A would did be another one. Kid A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Although pe- Kid A was such an interesting. I worked at Virgin Megastore when Kid A came out, and um, it was like one of the most popular records. But it was also one of the records that came back was returned the most around yeah, that I can time imagine that's true but i think over time people have gone no kid a is amazing it t- yeah. i remember it took me a long time like yeah. when when i say a long time i mean several years yeah. to actually appreciate yeah, kid me a. Too. um mechanical animals by marilyn manson around the same time do you think that's a, oh. Oh, it's a big it's a fairly big change yeah, yeah it's a fairly In, big the, change. the entire aesthetic of everything is completely different too but then mechanical animals wasn't more successful than antichrist was it no that's true so yeah all right fair enough well anyway listen that was last week's album swap this week's album swap uh i gave renfrey music for the masses by depression mode and he gave me the self-titled album from and so i watch you from afar mm-hmm. um i'm gonna kick this off by saying i We'll talk about talking about and so I watch you from afar. I like this, yeah, a lot more than the only album there is really like because you said, oh, you don't that you're not that familiar with and so I watch you from afar, and that's true, and that's because I think the only album that I'm really that familiar with is Airs from 2015, right. which felt a lot more like Scattergun, yeah, definitely clean. The, the production is much cleaner on that. Um, it's not weirdly as well. It's not as instant. I didn't find. Uh, I stuck this. Uh, this one on and I thought oh this is going to be hard work and it's not not hard work mm. but it's far less hard work mm. than I imagined it would be and that almost sounds like an insult it's not meant as one what I mean mm. is I like it when they go heavy mm. There's, it, it's a lot heavier than I expected yeah, it to exactly. be exactly it's yeah. got like proper riff sections riffs it almost feels quite fun yeah 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 do you know what I mean actually like that was another thing about it that I thought was good I was like this there's this kind of um perception in the sort of post-rock world that it's all very serious chin-strokey yes muso but this album like you can you know the kind of calls they do the call and response stuff they do in the background and yep. stuff you can just sort of yep. hear them go way and all yeah, that yeah, yeah. it's really cool and it just gives it a bit more bounce and a bit more life and like i say just a bit more fun to it well this is so i view and so i watch you from afar as an absolutely vital band for that scene i think they would probably argue that they're not even post-rock um because really the only reason why people consider them a post-rock band is because they're instrumental i think Mm. really at the end of the day with occasional yelps here and there yeah but um it feel whilst and so i watched you from afar weren't the first band to sort of inject some fun into that kind of chin strokey music mm. they were the first band to make it really big and i mean big in a in a post rock sense so i'm talking they can sell out coco you know yeah um surely is, mogwai were bigger than them previously yeah but mogwai are more chin strokey i I'm, I'm talking i'm talking about them taking the fun element and just really pumping that up yeah okay there are other bands who did i mean there's a band called a shank which um uh and so i watched them from afar basically I, well not ripped off but but they were very heavily influenced by them and maybe she will and stuff like this but and so i watched from afar seem to be you know they were they're one of the only ones of those bands who could like headline arc tangent you know yeah um and this record like i i i absolutely love this record it's 10 years old next year um and like the opener set guitars to kill is one of the best openers on any album i've ever heard i think i just love it yeah it's wicked um and uh but there's also this amazing kind of 
ballad, The Voiceless, the second to last track, mm-hmm. which is just beautiful. It's just mm-hmm. amazing. I, I like it's a tad too long, this record. It is a bit too long. I feel like that's always a thing that I think with a lot of these albums, if yeah. I'm being completely perfectly honest yeah. it's not you you've got to be really really good it, it takes a mogwai or a, a cult yeah. of luna or one of those yeah. bands to really hold my attention for that's why like, i think like when we were talking about pelican last week when i got into pelican i think the first thing that i got was an ep right and i was like oh well four tracks of this and yep. even though all the songs are like between eight and 12 minutes long yep. like four tracks of this is fine 12 tracks of it i often go Ugh. yeah it's a, it's 11 songs the yeah. debut but it's, it's about 67 minutes it is quite long it is long um and i probably would have taken a couple of tracks off but it is, and the, the songs that are good on it are just outrageously good. Um, gangs, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to give you Gangs, because obviously uh, uh, that would be two anti watch from Far Records in a row. But um, uh, Gangs is a really good one to go to, because it's still got this fun aspect, but it's like mm. 45 minutes. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, it was good. I'm, I preferred it, to, uh, kind of, <clears throat> as somebody just has really only ever listened to Airs. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'd prefer it to that. I would probably say Airs is my least favourite. Oh, is it? Yeah. Mm. See, that was the time where that came out in 2015. Around then. Yeah, yeah. and I kind of got it then when I was, I think because I was at Team Rock yeah. or just post Team Rock and it was like, oh, let me please listen to something which isn't yeah. a sweet child of mine. And so I just listened to loads <laughs> of like like Racket Cannon and, uh, yeah. you know, um, lots of those sort of bands that were coming out at the time. I just got whatever that was going on um yeah and i remember getting into them thinking, oh, i should have should should listen to these because it's been a thing that they've been around for a while and but it's good mm. yeah cool. it's cool. good i like yeah it's good um do you think you'll go back to it i think i might do mm. okay. i would rather go into the rest of their back catalog before mm. i go mm-hmm. into yep. back to it i reckon well gangs is the next place to go. okay fine um and i gave you music for the masses mm. by depeche mode mm who are a much, much bigger band. Yes. But are they a better band? Oh, I didn't realise. No, it isn't really. I don't <laughs> I didn't know why I this was a versus feature. No, it's not. It's not a competition. Because in my opinion, I would say no. But I do really, I, I really, really liked this record. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really good. And and it, it's a, um, it's a, it's a style which I don't think I like. And then I listen to it. And I'm like, oh yeah, actually, I like this more than I thought. Certainly, Depeche Mode are probably, probably my favourite of these bands. But then, last week, I said um, that I consider kind of Depeche Mode, Duran Duran, Echo and the Bunny Men, all the, that's that same sort of thing. And you were uh, like, those are three very different bands. Yeah. Um, why? Why am I? I'm totally prepared to accept I'm wrong because I don't know loads about it. But why am I wrong about that? Well, I think. So the reason I gave you this record is yeah. because for me this is the this is like when we talk about ma- it's funny we we're just talking about massive stylistic seesaws yeah. it's bands don't often do like hey we're going to do something completely different like that much what they usually do is slowly but surely yeah develop into uh, something evolve. else and yeah, I think yeah. music for the masses although it's not necessarily the best Depeche Mode album okay. I think you've got Exciter and Violator the kind of the two big ones that, that people will talk about um, I think it is the most interesting Depeche Mode album from the kind of well actually maybe the most interesting album full stop because it's the um, post Vince Clark so Vince Clark who went on to be an erasure right. uh, kind of left Depeche Mode because he was like this is all getting a bit bit sort of bondage 
sexy, like a bit too dark for me now. I want, ah. I want to write, you know, just can't get enough. So they started enough. out lighter, did they? Well, yeah. When you think like, just can't get enough and yep. um, people are people too. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like all that kind of stuff is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think Dave Gahan has got just a, uh, he's got a kind of a, a gothic, he's got a kind of darkness to him anyway. Yeah. Maybe not so much on, you know, uh, uh, something like just can't get enough which is well well 80s pop but when you think of uh, some early stuff like um like i say people are people or um everything counts like those kind of big songs even that like there's they're kind of erring towards being a little bit darker this is the absolute perfect midpoint i think from where okay. depeche, from where depeche mode go from um because if you listen to like i say if you listen to uh I just can't get enough and then you listen to like barrel of a gun which comes out about 10 years after this record like that is like proper throbbing dark synth nine inch nails style like really and is that stuff good yeah yeah so good okay yeah yeah i mean violator is violator is my my favorite okay and that's you know where it was sort of personal jesus like bit and you know um uh, where they go to that. But this is, this for me is like the perfect sort of seesaw between like 80s synth music and something much darker. Okay. So, you know, the kind of electro pop stuff they do is really good. And then I really like the almost kind of industrial dark shit that they do. And really, to be honest with you, I think this album's great, but it's when you watch 101, which I said was an Anton Corbin film. It's not an Anton Corbin. I'm sorry, I said last week it's directed. It's not directed by Anton Corbin because I actually went back and watched it. Um, it's not directed by Anton Corbin. Anton Corbin took the photos uh, for the band sort of around this period, sort of famously took, you know, the Enjoy the Silence video and stuff he uh-huh. did. But um, uh, but he does all the photos on on that. But the the, the film, the, the, the documentary of them touring around America, I think they play the Pasadena Rose Bowl mm-hmm. at the end of it. And it's just this sort of document of this Brit- we- really, really weird British band mm. getting massive in mm. kind of back you know backyard buttfuck nowhere in america <laughs> and it's it's so I've good and, and, and yeah yeah it's, it's it's all right and um <laughs> and i think like that is that is is really really interesting but some of the songs on this uh you know uh, are fucking seriously dark i was surprised at how many i recognized right okay. um because i didn't really have any i didn't you know i'm pretty sure i've never put on this album before or never heard it before but it felt like i recognized whether it's from movies or whether they were just released as singles i'm not sure but um there was there was a lot of stuff in there that i was like this is definitely very familiar and i can see i mean i was about to say i can see how trent reznor was inspired by depeche mode but of course this record was 97 wasn't it so i suppose Oh, is it 87? Mm-hmm. Aha! Then that point is moot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I can totally see how Trent Reznor... Yeah. God, it's 87. 987. So like, I mean, Never Let Me Down Again is probably the biggest singer on it. Strange Love's pretty big, like Behind the Wheel's big as well. But there's some like, I Want You Now is proper dark. Yeah. You listen to that when like, and I mean, that is like seething, kind of angry sexual. Like that is almost disgust at yourself at how kind of how much of a pervert you are and hence, hence closer for yeah. example yeah yeah you know, exactly. yeah 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 i i i it's really it's i for, so for, i obviously either misread it or misheard you last week because in my head when i was listening to this record i was thinking it was 97 right. which is really interesting because part of what 
I think I don't like about this sort of music is um, I think it sounds dated. Mm. And I was listening to this going, oh, it's 1997. But it was 87. So yeah. that, that sort of... That that puts it into a different light, gives it a different spin for me. Yeah. I mean, it definitely... It does sound like the 80s. Yeah. It's very... It's kind of quintessentially 80s. Yeah. And it was like... And the thing... I always think that things be, that become massive, mm. they kind of... They actually date worse because... Yeah. They became they become kind of uh, indicative of a, of that period of yeah, that time yeah, period, yeah. Yeah. and so yeah, I can see why someone might think that is dated a little bit as well. The last track on it, Pimp, yes, which is that's the intro music they use on the on the film, like before they come out oh, use that intro cool. music, and it's just really weird. There's, I really like how weird it is. I also noticed. So I was always under the impression that um, the first ever you know when they used to do secret tracks on CDs where you yeah. had um, like a few seconds of a few minutes of silence in some cases and then a, a bonus track i was always under the impression that um endless nameless by nirvana was the first one ever on the european release on nevermind uh-huh. now there's only about 10 seconds of silence before mm. this track comes in but i thought the record had finished and i had gone to press stop or whatever and and then it carried on i was yeah. like i thought nirvana did that first yeah Maybe I mean, it's because it's such a small gap that people almost think it's probably. A, a gap in the music. I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's something I've never thought about. It's definitely, it's definitely a gap. That it was long enough for me to go, oh right, I'll put yeah. on whatever is going on next. And you know, the gap between um, uh, something in the way and endless nameless is is like ten minutes. Yeah, or it's something. a long time. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, off, off the point yeah but yeah but it is good but in going back to your kind of your point about what's different between Depeche Mode and Duran Duran and say yes. Echo and the Bunnymen yes. well to me Duran Duran are a pure pop band who celebrate the kind of heady uh, the kind of the headiness excess. of the excess yeah. of the 80s and although actually if you listen to if you listen to Rio by Duran Duran there's, there's I wouldn't I think you know, when we're talking about Depeche Mode to say Duran Duran are dark it's probably not really mm, okay. <laughs> a fitting thing well to i was say. going to ask if duran duran ever had a dark uh, phase. Th- well if you listen to a song like the chauffeur which death tones oh yeah, yeah 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 like the chauffeur is it's kind of spooky okay i guess so i okay. think duran duran have a kind of like like disney haunted mansion as opposed yeah. to alton towers haunted yeah mansion. <laughs> yeah i mean it's melancholic kind of spookiness uh it's that's my favorite duran duran song as well funnily enough and not just because deftones cover it but like it it is wicked it's really wicked in fact rio by duran 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 are more of a singles band but they are Mm. definitely like uh they have a few really like rio as an album Mm. is a really good album from Mm. front to back Mm. but it's it is much more about the kind of the excess and the kind of you know champagne fueled coke orgies and on private jets and stuff we've all been there yeah whereas Depeche Mode is much more like leather glove fisting you in a sort of BDSM like nightclub we've all been there as well we've all been there as well where we haven't been is uh, Echo and the Bunnymen (laughs) which is like Echo and the Bunnymen are are more like The Cure or more like sort of Susie and the I think they're kind of they sit for me the band Echo and the Bunnymen sit in between kind of pill and the and uh, not the cure and the smiths right so it's like almost kind of sing a song not sing a song right but kind of indie music but with a bit of a kind of metallic post-punk grumble to it so i think they're all very different right okay i mean echo and bunny men almost kind of became like 
Britpop influences mm. uh, and indie influences. Okay. Um, whereas Duran Duran definitely didn't do that. Did you mean to say The Cure when you um, compared them to Echo and the Bunnymen? Yeah, a little bit. Because I, because I, my my most uh, accurate point of reference for this record was The Cure. Mm. to be honest mm. um now that might say more about me than it says about you know um and and, uh, and how much i know about this style of music but but to me i was like okay this is not m- a million miles away from disintegration is that no fair? i suppose not yeah i suppose uh, yeah i mean it's different obviously there's a lot of different periods of, of the, the cure, cure. Yeah, yeah, yeah i think echo and the Bunnymen sit much more comfortably in kind of early 80s the right. cure whereas the so boys mode, don't cry yeah stuff. whereas the pesh mode would sit um much more comfortably with the kind of uh late 80s yeah which is disintegration yeah yeah, yeah. okay cool, yeah. cool i reckon cool. so but anyway um what do you reckon overall good album though yeah i really enjoyed it it's i'm good. definitely going to go back to it and i would like to um it's encouraging to know that uh, whilst I really enjoyed this, do you think there's better records out Definitely, there? Definitely, I think there's better records out cool. there. Cool, okay. Yeah, in terms yeah, yeah. of an actual, like, album. Yeah. This has got, like, um, Never Let Me Down Again is probably my favourite Depeche Mode song. Cool. The first track on this, which is just such a great song. And I don't even remember it coming out when it came out. But I think I bought their, I bought their greatest hits, like, mm. in the mid-90s. And that was sort of the first time I listened to them properly. Having you know, I, I knew Personal Jesus and I knew... Um, you know, a couple of the, like, obviously, uh, just can't get enough. I knew, like, a few of their songs. but So I got their greatest hits when it came out, and I was like, wow, this is fucking brilliant. And that song is brilliant. Mm. Um, anyway, what are you going to give me next week, Rimfrey? I'm going to give you uh, the last album made by Silverchair. Ooh. Young Modern. I have not heard this. Mm. I well, remember it coming out. That's the point of uh, this, yeah, this feature. Yeah, Um I'm it's, just confirming that I haven't heard it. <laughs> um, it's, I won't say any more apart from it's very different. Oh, right, okay. That is all I will say. From what though? From... Because they're very different from each other, all of their albums. This is really different. Okay, cool. All right, well, I look forward to that. Well, this is what I'm going to give you. Now, I wanted to give you an album and I can't find it. So and it's not on Spotify, so I'm not going to give it to you. I'm going to give you something else, but I'm going to give you something else by the band. So after Ross Robinson did Korn's self-titled debut album in 1994, mm. he obviously went on to record a bunch of other bands, mm-hmm. Sepultura Roots, he did that, mm-hmm. one of them. He did a band in the middle of it that I've literally only just found out about to the point where I haven't even been able to listen to their music yet. But I was talking to a guy, when I went to see Power Trip the other day, I bumped into a mate of mine and he was like, I've just found this band and Ross Robinson produced them after he did Corn, and I've never heard of them before. And their album is not on Spotify, the one I did with Ross Robinson. He's like, but you should definitely listen to their self-titled debut album. The band are called Beats the Hell Out of Me, right? Okay. And uh, they are just about, I've never, ever heard of them before. I've never heard of them before. I've not heard of them. And then I listened to the debut album, and I want you to listen to their debut album. Self-titles. Self-titled debut album by the band Beats the Hell Out of Me. me. Okay. Just because I've never heard of them before. And now I listened to it, and I was like, well, you know when you go like, how did I never hear of this? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's one of them. Okay, interesting. All right, cool. So uh, I'll do Young Modern by Silverchair, and you do Beats the Hell Out of Me by Beats the Hell Out of Me. And like I said, you can play at home as well if you want to tweet us at riot act underscore podcast 
like I say as well, you go on to the Patreon page, you can even suggest an album for us to listen to. But we ain't doing it for free. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> We're not listening to music for free. <laughs> All right, let's do some album reviews before we crack on. Yeah. Uh, like I say, just a kind of brief overview of the big records that have been coming out over the last couple of weeks. First off, we're going to start with Alison Chains' Rainier Fog. Uh, this is the sixth studio album yeah. by Alison Chains. So they've now done as many full-length albums with William Duval as they have done with Lane Staley. Obviously, was, they've done more stuff with Lane Staley, but yeah, I was in gonna, terms of full lengths... Yeah, I was going to make this very point. So mm. bar the EPs, because um, there was Jar of Flies and Sap. Yeah. And I, I, I suppose if you include the live stuff as well. Um, but yeah, three so three studio records with Lane and three studio records with William Duval. <laughs> so I suppose now you can pick who's your favourite Alison Chain singer. I guess, I mean, like a really stupid question. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, well, look, <laughs> William Duval's no, really good. No, uh, nothing against William Duval because no. he is fantastic, but but Lane is something very, very, very special. So let's crack on with this one then. Rainier Fog. Um, I like it. Yeah, I, yeah, I like mm, it. Yeah, I like it. I, I mean, like it. It's certainly better than the last one. Um, I'm not sure if i oh. agree with that yet okay um i feel like i need it a bit more but um but i really liked the last one and mm. See, uh, you weren't too keen were yeah. you no, no, no. um there aren't as many uh riffs mm-hmm. on this i feel and i i really um I love, like, if you think of Hollow on the last record yeah. or what was the other big single on it or Stone or something like that, you know, th- those riffs are really difficult to deny. Um, and I didn't feel like there were any massively memorable riffs on this record. Not to say that that's bad because they're clearly going for something a little bit different. They're going for more of a collage of sound, I feel, which yeah. Alice in Chains do extraordinarily well so there's there's nothing wrong with that um but my feeling is because of that this is going to be a record which takes a little bit longer to get into and we've not we've not actually had it for very long no um so uh maybe it's one of those cases where i'll come back in a month and go actually i definitely prefer it to the devil put dinosaurs uh, the devil put the dinosaurs here yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um but i yes i i Considering how much I love Alice in Chains, we both love Alice in Chains. Uh-huh. I have been looking forward to this record for a long time. I like all the singles. And um, I just, at the moment, yeah, I just feel like I like it. I don't love it yet. Mm. And I really, I really want to love it. But I don't, I, I just like it. I think yeah. it's, I think it's decent. And I want to, I want to hear it more and, get get into it a bit more it lacks the kind of devastating power of the early Alice in Chains material Lane Staley brought something so dark and menacing and so threatening and so uh kind of willfully nihilistic and self-destructive to those Alice in Chains records whether yeah. even even on the unplugged sessions even on the uh, acoustic stuff on Jar of Flies and Sap. Lane Staley is a much more, was a younger, more dangerous, angrier, more kind of, like I say, self-destructive person. And that gave Alice in Chains a hell of a lot of danger, which they don't 
have. Uh, but this is not a case of this is not a case of um, what I said about kind of what you could point at the many kind of heavier bands for. It's not necessarily a problem. That's kind of fine. I mean, I actually prefer it uh, at this point where Alice in Chains go kind of melancholic. I think the best song on it is the second to last one, Never Fade. I agree. Which is a really brilliant song. I agree. It's really it's really awesome because you know it's so rare that you get. Um, yeah, the best song on a record being the penultimate track. Mm, when does that mm, happen? But yeah, yeah, Never Fade is... And I think they... Awesome. Did they release that? They did. Yeah, they, they did. They released it. Yeah. yeah, so maybe it's because I'm slightly more familiar than the others. But I really, really like that song. And um, and when they go a little bit kind of... Uh, it's hard to get the kind of the sneaking suspicion like that I listen to it sometimes and I go, if this didn't have the Alice in Chains moniker on it, I would go, ah, they're just another kind of radio rock sort of band they don't have that same like i say that same level of devastation that alice and chains used to have i think that's i i, I do think that's slightly harsh but only because alice and chains those harmonies make them so unique that's true that those harm like those, let's face it aren't those harmonies the best thing about alice and chains pretty much like yeah. they're just otherworldly and totally different from any other harmonies that i've ever heard but they used to kind of soar above these really like scabrous guitar parts yeah which they they don't anymore but i I, i'm and that's not to say the melodies don't that's to say the guitars if if it's a kind of if we've got like a kind of sliding scale of beautiful harmonies all the way down to guttural like dirty riffs Mm. then their riffs at this point are kind of middling and i think that that contrast was the thing that made alison change brilliant Mm. and i think like I don't want to compare it to Black Gives Way to Blue, but I think maybe Black Gives Way to Blue, like they they must, they that was a really charged record. It's that brilliant. kind of comeback, it's an incredible record. Yeah. And I don't, th- I don't think that is as, as angry um, as Dirt or the self-titled, but it, they obviously put a hell of a lot into that. And I think the idea now, and it, it may be kind of, it, I feel like it possibly lulled me into a slightly false sense of security that like Alice in Chains is still Alice in Chains because this is fucking 10 out of 10 incredible. And I don't think Rainier Fog, I don't think either of the last two have been anywhere near the standard of Black Blue's Way to Blue. I include this one. I think, I mean, certainly include the last one, but I still don't think this is up to the standards of Black Blue's Way to Blue, let alone up to the standard of Dirt. I would agree with that. Although I do think, I mean, Black Blue's Way to Blue for me is a, modern classic yeah I it think really is, is absolutely phenomenal um i feel I, I understand what you're saying in terms of the riffs not being um quite as quite as uh dirty and grungy i guess as uh not that grunge is a genre but uh as uh <laughs> as um they were in the past but i still feel that this is it's it's not like they've pussied out no 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 like it's, it's still, still heavy yeah it's still good it's still a heavy guitar tone and it's still unlike you know you're not i doubt you're gonna hear alice and chains on radio one at any point no. uh, it, it, i don't feel like they've it's not like they've turned down the distortion or anything like that because they're old now or anything like that it's just not well not old old but i suppose oh, for so i think they a, are quite old yeah for being point. in a band yeah it still feels fairly nihilistic um, just not to the point of dirt or I, I think self-titled. I don't think it like to me it doesn't feel nihilistic at all really it feels kind of rocky what about um, the first single the first song or uh, the one with the dirt 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 yeah that dirt. really disc- the one yeah. you know that really yeah, discordant it's, it's a it's a it's a cool kind of heavy swagging rock it, 
it's Velvet Revolver to Appetite for Destruction is what it is to me. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. And it's that, and I love like I love Velvet. Revolver. I, love, I love Velvet. Revolver. I think they're wicked. That, that is not an insult, and I yeah. think this is really good. All I'm saying is that bar is really, really high. Yeah. If Shinedown released this album, it'd, if, it'd be the best Shinedown record by a fucking mile. Well, I mean, it would be like. It would, yeah, it would be yeah. the best album of any of those bands have ever released, yeah. ever. Yeah. Yeah, 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 but, um, it, you know, it's like, this is not them, that's it's Alice in Chains. And I think yeah. it's it's got a bit of the King Animal, the Soundgarden thing, where I was like, some of these songs are good, it just doesn't quite sound like how I imagine Soundgarden sounding in my head. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah I do. Uh, and, you know, it, like... Will I go back and listen to this? There's probably a few songs in it that I will go back and listen to it, probably more so than The Devil Put the Dinosaurs Here. But when I'm sitting there and I've got, and I've got like Dirt, uh, or I've got the Unplugged with Lane Staley, or I've got Black with Gives Way to Blue, mm, I mm. think this will be a case of cherry picking the best moments out of Rainier Fog mm. as opposed to sitting down and listening to it all the way through. That's I, what I think. I definitely will go back to it, but then that's more due to my love for Alice in Chains as a whole, yeah, really. Yeah, um, me too. I just think if you get like you get 40 minutes yourself and you think I really feel like listening to Alice in Chains I don't know how often you'd like two three years down the line I don't know how often you would reach for this yeah sure have you have you had a think about where you think it uh, ranks in with the other records or is it too early to say it's probably a little bit early to say but my first inkling would be in between Facelift and uh, The Devil Put the Dinosaurs Here Right, is Devil Put Dinosaurs here your least favourite? Yes, it is. Okay. Um, this is probably my fifth favourite Alice in Chains record. Same. Um, but I swap, you you might not like this, uh, Facelift's my least favourite Alice in Chains record. I can sort of understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've just grown up with it like, yeah, a lot. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I think yeah. that might have something to do with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, it's the Cowboys from Hell thing in that. <laughs> yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. that brilliant 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 singles quite a lot of filler but mm. yeah yeah yeah. Um, but yeah yeah it's cool and i'm i'm i want to listen to it more I, I wonder if we should come back to it in a month maybe yeah i think we probably should but yeah because i still do want to listen to it more because that's yeah. some good songs anyway but that's our first impression of rainier fog by us and change which is out right now also out right now is marauder by Interpol, the sixth album by the highly influential New Yorkers, mm-hmm. uh, who Renfrey picked as one of his five picks in the world of indie to sum- summate the world of indie I in uh, in our episode zero. Yeah, the Venn I did. diagram of alternative music. So you're a big fan of Interpol, right? Well, <laughs> are you not yeah, now? No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of a couple of their records. I would right, say, okay, Idols. That's the one I like. Is that what it's called? Uh, Antics, sorry. I Antics, yeah. Antics. Yeah. Antics, I really like. And I think it's I Love to Admire. I really, okay. really like as well. And uh, Turn Off the Bright Lights. Basically the first three. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. Um, Marauder is fine. Yeah, it is. It's fine. I think fair play to them for, for, for kind of basically not changing in any way whatsoever. And yet still sounding quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, I have to say this record did wash off me a little bit. I've heard it, you know, I've heard it four or five times now. I don't feel like I there's anything particularly memorable on it. I don't dislike it when I'm listening to it, but, uh-huh. but I'm, 
I'm fairly nonplussed with it, I have to say. Uh, there's a song it called Complications, which I think is great. Right. I think any time they go to the interludes and then a song comes in afterwards, it's great. I think tonally and the production of it is... The production's great. It's really I would great. expect that. I would yeah, expect that. Yeah, frankly. I think it sounds lovely all the way yeah. through. Oh, yeah, 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 it yeah. It sounds great. It's very pleasant to listen to. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's um, what but, we want, isn't it? But yeah, but um, I, I, it's interesting you say about the interludes. I, I found the interludes a little bit redundant, personally. I was like, I, I just like the like kind of be lull there. because, you know, the thing about Interpol is that, to my ears, they don't appear to have changed or really developed their sound at all. Do you know what I mean? They do a thing that they do. I think at all's a tad harsh, but not. I would agree, not very much. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So I think when the interludes come in, they give a kind of a lull before that kind of yeah yeah big sound they have. I mean that do, that does seem to be the purpose of them. But then yeah, you know, know, if I think of an if I think of mantra by Tool or something like that, yeah, then that uh, like I would happily put mantra on a loop and listen to it over and over again, like fall to sleep to it, fall 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 to sleep, fall asleep to it, or something like that. Mm. Whereas yeah, I can't imagine ever like listening to either of the there's two interludes isn't it and they're mm. both just interlude one interlude two yeah uh, you know i guess they serve their purpose as a record uh, which if you're listening to it as a record but yeah I, I didn't think they added all that much personally. it's a funny thing i think when a band has a kind of says they're going on a high so what this is is basically they were successful they went on a hiatus which lasted like two years or a year or something yeah then they came back with an album and everyone went they're back and then now they're back this is the album after their back. Yes, yes, and it's exactly. always like yeah. that's a that's a shitty place to be. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? It's really like, yeah. hey, well, this, this is... new band comes out. Oh, it's great. First three, four albums, and people go, yeah, yeah, they're still around, great. And then you split up yeah. and go, we're going on hiatus, yeah. and then you don't really have any kind of hiatus at all. You just have a couple of years off, yeah. and then you go, we're back, and we've got a new album. People go, hey, they're back, and they've got a new album, yeah. and then people go, oh, they're, they're sort of back, and they got a new, and then they go, hey, we've got another new album. And people go, yeah, yeah, and I think that's going to be the sort of the legacy of Marauder, unfortunately. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think um, I think I, I I just like I say, it just washed off me. I didn't not enjoy it i didn't think it was a i don't think it's a bad record i just think it's a very meh record i think it's fine like it's an interpol album it sounds like interpol sounding like interpol yeah or going we better sound like interpol yeah yeah there's not a lot of um oomph a lot of sort of inspiration in it no shame that because they're a good band yeah, they are. Uh, but anyway, that's Marauder by Interpol. We haven't really got much more to say about that. Have <laughs> well, we? that's yeah. That, in a way, in a way, Marauder, Marauder is the hardest one to review because I just feel like I've got nothing much to yeah, say on it's it. It's all right, if and you I like Interpol. Yeah, and I think I think that says it all, really. Yeah, so. fair. Um, Death Cab for Cutie is next. They got an album. An album. Album. Don't know what that is. They got an album out called Thank You for Today. It's their ninth album. Um, I have to confess. I've never really paid that much attention to Death Cab. Oh, for really? Cutie, okay, cool. If I'm honest, not since the kind of the the fierce panda J Tree yeah, yeah, yeah. boom years. Mm. I mean, they weren't even on J Tree, but um, you, you know what I'm talking about, yeah, like yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. The, the early emo days. Um, and in that scene, I all kind of just thought they were also rands, really, for a lot of the stuff that I Did you used know? to really, really like. I know everyone went mad for plans. Yes, and I was like, yeah, it's fine. Oh, okay. Um, but I just never really particularly got it okay and i have to say 
this album is not changing my opinion really? in any way whatsoever. Oh, okay. I really like this record. Do you? Mm. Yeah. I think it has a real... I don't... Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, I do really like it. I, I, I'm... I think it has a cool um, hmm, vibe, atmosphere. It's a cool thing to put on in the background, and it changes it changes the molecules in the room. It changes, you know, the way that you you. It, it, it's it's almost a record that you don't necessarily sit down and listen to, uh, and do nothing else. But mm. but in terms of creating a. Um, I do hate the word vibe, but it's the only one I can think of for it in terms of creating a vibe in a room. I think this is a really great record. But I also think if you do sit down and listen to it, there is bits that take you unawares. There's some really awesome lyrics on this record. Um, There's this brilliant, brilliant um, song called, in my opinion, Your Hurricane, where the chorus is just, I won't be the debris in your hurricane. Which I just mm, think is a nice. lovely image. What's the one where is it Northern Lights where they say in the band called the encore or the band called for an encore? I've forgotten what the actual lyric is, but there's something which has really kind of got in my head. I say it got in my head. I can't actually remember what it is, which is I suppose <laughs> like for my favourite bit to be a bit that got in my head that I can't now remember. Probably says how I feel about, <laughs> about this record quite a lot. Um, but it, yeah, there's a few kind of decent lyrical parts to it which I, I really like expect from death cab yeah i really like i, I like the lyrics on this record and i mm-hmm. i think um i think uh but what's his name benjamin gibbard mm. um he often sounds like neil tennant from pet shop boys in my do you know what i was gonna say he really really reminds me of the dude from the pet shop boys yeah yeah but without the good songs um, oh that, that's a bit harsh but okay yeah yeah, yeah yeah i can understand i mean it's a it's a I would call it sort of like a nice ethereal album, but someone who didn't like it might call it like a really wishy-washy album. Like it is, it, and, I, and I, I would accept that. I do understand. I was it listening to it with my mate, and we were halfway through it, and he went, "If you put Robbie Williams' voice over this track, you would go, this is just another bad Robbie Williams song." I and I was like, "Strongly disagree with that. I'm not sure about that." No, but the no, fact no. that he's even kind of making that comparison, and I was just a bit like. I mean, I kind of know what you mean. It's very middling. It feels quite middle of the... And it, it does a lot of that, like, modern... You know, like last week I was talking... Or the last couple of weeks I've been talking about that kind of modern production techniques, which just really bore me. There's, a, there's quite a fair bit of that. Like. I think the production on this is awesome. Do you? It's I'm Rich really Costi. It's yeah. Rich Costi. So he did um, he did fucking Delouse in the Comitorium by Mars Volta and Blood Mountain. And, yeah, but uh, maybe it's just what he's got to work with. I mean, if that's what they want, then that's what they want, isn't it? Maybe. I, uh, he did the it, last Biffy Clyro record, okay. Ellipsis. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I, think th- I think this record sounds great. I think this, the, the soundscapes of it, again, it's quite 80s influence. I think. It is it's quite, quite 80s influence, synth- but I think it doesn't come... Yeah, but that's, you know, that's quite cool at the moment, isn't it? True. It, do you know what it is, right? I mean, I think because Dashboard Confessional had a similar thing when their album came out, and I'm, 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 I'm ambivalent to both Dashboard Confessional and Death Cab for Cutie, if I'm being perf- perfectly honest. But we said it about when I was talking about the Foxing album, mm. and I was like, I mean, this is kind of the perfect fucking comparison where I go, okay, Foxing are mm. using that thing with a load of other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Definitely. like, I think it's just I get to the point where I go, I do not understand why you would want your music to sound like that. I do not understand why the kind of modern production techniques, to my ears, just sound, they just sound boring. 
just sound bad. Mm, and mm. the bits that happen in that Foxing album where it all kind of drops off a cliff for me are when they use those kind of that really super modern, super plush, super slick, 80s inspired, but the 80s, you know, kind of brought up to, you know, the 80s yeah. 2.0 stage <laughs> that like the 1975 do. Yeah. That, that I just go, I, I do not understand why you want these good songs to be suddenly stripped of all personality. And I think for this album, to me, I just go, with the exception of him sounding a bit like Neil Tennant and there being a, quite a few nice, like, lyrical strands to it, I just I just do not know why they want... It, it, it bored the shit out of me. Really? Yeah. Wow, okay, okay. I mean, I, 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 in no way do I, you know, I don't... This is not going to be my albums of the year or anything like that, but I've, I, I enjoyed the... Like I say, I enjoyed the the, the the mood that the record put me in and the the way that it made me feel. Mm. Um, I I don't think it's a stunning record, and I certainly think Death Cab have done better better albums. But I do, I I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I will I will go back to it. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm surprised that you don't like it at all. I, d- I really don't like it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, man. No, no, no worries. Sorry, Death Cab for Cutie. I'm, I'm still not a fan. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad you like it. Yeah, it's cool. I thought you were cool. going to kind of come in and go, yeah, bum. But you know, no, you like it. Um, it's decent. Okay, good. All right, Death Cab Cutie, thank you for today. That is out right now. I wouldn't bother if I were you. Um, <laughs> no, no, do, do, if you're a fan. Well, if you're, if you're a fan, you're, yeah. you're going to listen to it anyway. Right? It you don't give a shit what I'm going to say. <laughs> um, all right, next album is called With Animals. It comes from Mark Lanigan and Duke Garwood. Now, I love Mark Lanigan. Yes, I yeah. don't know what they were doing in Seattle in the early 90s mm, with vocalists. Yeah. Because Chris Cornell, yeah. Eddie Vedder, Lane, Lane Staley. Staley, Kurt Cobain. People often forget how good a singer Kurt actually was. Mm. And pff, right, right fucking up there is Mark Lanigan. Like right up there. I think there is a... If anyone said to me, Mark Lanigan is my favourite of those five vocalists, I wouldn't link like i i, I he, he's not my favorite of those five but i, I wouldn't i'd be like fair enough i find it impossible to pick a favorite yeah yeah like i i, I honestly they're all like, very different as yeah well. they're all very different and i genuinely like couldn't tell you who the best one of those five is but the yeah. fact that i'm going well it's definitely not mark lanigan will go to show mm-hmm. the sort of esteem in which i hold mark lanigan i love screaming trees yeah i loved um Bubblegum, his solo yep. album from 2004, I think it's amazing. I really like Scraps from Scraps, Scraps from at Midnight. Midnight as well. It's really good. I like anything he does on the Queens of Stone Age albums, yep. I just love as well. He just kind of elevates them and gives them such a, uh, it, it, like, a gravitas. It, in the Fade on Rated yeah. Art is one of my favourite Queens of the Stone Age songs yeah. ever, and so much of it is to do with his performance mm-hmm. on it. It's fucking he's amazing. incredible. Um, that being said, I don't know much about Duke Garwood. I know he's from, he's from London. He's a kind of multi-instrumentalist who used to be in Savages. Yes. That's about all I know about Duke okay. Garwood. But okay. uh, anyway, this is their second album collaboration mm. with Animals. I'm going to let you start, Rimfrey, and let me know what you think. Um, I think that Duke Garwood has done a really good job of um, stripping everything back. This is a really, really, really stripped back yeah. album. It's yeah. really subtle. Yeah. Um, and 
but the beauty of that is it allows Mark Lanigan's voice to sh- really shine, in my opinion. Um, I think of all the solo stuff that Mark Lanigan's done. What all those records you mentioned, I absolutely agree with. There's, I think my favourite solo Mark Lanigan record is probably "Whiskey for the Holy Ghost." I don't know if you're familiar with that one. Yeah, I've listened to it, but that's nice and um, subtle as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think being brave enough to be that subtle. It, it, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's, it, it. Why wouldn't you be brave yeah. enough when you've got a voice that good? Well, I was going to say, this is this will almost sound like an insult to uh, to Duke Garwood, but he's what he does on this album is so good that it almost feels like a Mark Lanigan acapella record at points. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I mean, it, it literally is like there is nothing else, and and Mark Lanigan kind of whispers at yeah. points during yeah. his voice. It is soothing and scary at the same time. He's got this rich, warm texture to his voice, but he exudes menace as well. Yeah. Like there's, pro- like there's what's the song? Um, Lonesome Infidel. Mm, when he's talking yeah, about yeah. being like something to do with Satan, isn't it? Like I'm in, in yeah. league with Satan. Yeah. And that is as threatening and as, uh, as kind of frightening and as... Uh, and as terrifying as and disturbing as any kind of black metal band screaming about Satan, I would argue it's more, or, or it yeah. can, can be more so. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I think this is a real sort of masterclass in keeping things back. Yeah, um, it's not going to be for everyone. I mean, some people will be bored to tears by this record because there's they just won't feel like there's enough going on. Um, it's not a record for someone with ADHD <laughs> like yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, but um, I really love, again, I suppose, I really love the atmosphere that it creates. Okay. And it's the sort of record that you want to listen to in the dark with maybe like a couple of candles on. Not that it's a romantic record. No, no, it ain't a it's not, no. Don't bring a lady it's back the, and the, put this record on. The perfect kind of Sunday morning come down record. Yeah, it's great. Ha- this would be a great hangover record. Yeah. Um, I mean, actually, every time I've, I listen to it, on a Saturday morning and on a Sunday morning are the kind of two times that I've really listened to it. And, I, and, uh, and um, it works really well there. Yeah. And, um, and I, I just think this is brilliant. It's very much a record for a time and a place. Like if you put this on at a party, fucking hell. Yeah. You would party clear the over. room. Yeah. The party is over. But if you are into that, you know, if, if you're into that vibe and if you, if you're into that, really subtle uh instrumentation just with this incredible crackly voice who's a voice that sounds like he's lived a thousand lives and all, none of them have been good mm. you know none of them mm. like a voice that, that a, a guy who's just been being i mean mark lanigan jesus he's been through a lot he really know? has yeah um it's wonderful. Although I, I feel like I'm making it sound like it's difficult because it's, it's. I don't think it's don't, a difficult record. No, no, to get I into. don't. I don't think it is. I think it's just. It's just like you say. It's very. It's very quiet. It's for yeah. a, a particular mood. I mean, I think this album is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I, I think I, it's I'm absolutely brilliant. I love it. It's yeah. really, really brilliant. And it's, yeah, you have to be in the right mood for it. Like if you're, you know, yeah. if you've just been listening to the Ramones and you're like, ah, yeah. you're all jacked up. Like yeah, you're not yeah, going to yeah. want to listen to this. But it's a night record. Yeah, like, definitely. End up like, well, obviously you can play it during the day, but but it is a nighttime record. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a it's a quiet, uh, considered, just beautifully 
um, pitched record which shows off the talents of one of the great vocalists yeah. in alternative music yeah. ever. I think this is a really good like if you've never heard Mark Lanigan at all and you want to know why people go crazy over his voice there are better Mark Lanigan records than this in my opinion and they're better, you know, streaming trees and all that sort of thing but if you just want to know why Mark Lanigan is regarded as such a brilliant vocalist then this is not a bad record to check out and then you'll no. understand why people talk about him in the way that they do. If there was, I mean, I don't, I kind of think it would ruin the vibe, but I was going to go, I'm trying to find a bit of constructive criticism and that would only be that, like on Bubblegum, which is my favourite Mark Lanigan record, there's a bit yeah. more kind of rolling in the, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, a bit rolling more, to keep on rolling. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a bit more of, there's a bit more of that. In it. There's, there's, there's a bit, a bit more, more kind of ups and downs like yeah. it's got this is i wouldn't say it's like monotone and i wouldn't say it's one paced but i think it does it the the again use the word vibe it, it continues a very there's a very uh steady vibe which yeah. continues yeah. on that level throughout the entire record yeah there's not a lot of deviation from that i'm absolutely fine with that because this is what nine tracks it's yeah, it's pretty in, sure. It's nine tracks in uh, 35 minutes or something. It doesn't so overstay its welcome. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It's really, really good. Mm. It's mm. really good. They are playing um, at the Union Chapel in oh. London. And oh, I've got to go to that. If Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. If you are aware of the Union Chapel, it's basically uh, a beautiful church in Islington in London. Sort of probably holds... 1500 people something like that but it's is it that many you reckon uh they've got an upstairs bit as oh, well okay. so yeah it, it could well be i went before and i was like there's 200 people here and it was pretty full that upstairs bit is really big okay. um but uh in terms of um placing an, an album with a venue yeah it's i can't think of a better uh, uh, like that that is just perfect mm. um yeah i'm desperate to see that yeah it should be really good i think so Martin Langan and duke garwood with animals is out right now it's pretty pretty bloody brilliant mm. if you ask us uh final album that we're going to talk about is out today if you're listening to this podcast on the day that it comes out it's by idols the album is called joy as an act of resistance the sophomore album from the Bis- the bristol based post punks although they really don't like being called post punks do they not no, apparently not. Okay. Um, I think they've actually kind of gone, please don't call us that anymore. So quite why I did you that. You are such a rebel. <laughs> yeah, quite why I did that. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, there's quite a lot of hype around these guys. I think actually um, when the Foo Fighters did that kind of 10th anniversary O2 show, they got the support slot for it, which is, I have you to should. say, a fairly that. odd pick, but it just goes to show the kind of um, esteem in which they're held. Yeah. Uh, Renfrey. Yes. I've got quite a lot to say about this record. Okay. So um, if you don't mind me cracking on, um, I think this record is all about the kind of story of Joe Talbot, who's the, the singer in the band. Um, he is a guy with a hell of a lot to say. Um, I know when the first album Brutalism came out, his um, his mother passed away during the recording of it. And I think they kind of um, I didn't know that. There's, yeah, it says a bit of that in it. Uh, this time, uh, his his I'm not entirely sure about the events, so I don't want to kind of go too much into it. But I know his, his daughter passed away during the recording of this. Oh record. my god! Okay. Um, so I mean, the the place where I'd like to start, I think the second half of this record is one of the most affecting 
brilliant, awe-inspiring pieces of music you'll hear this year. Um, I think the first half is great, but particularly the second half of this record mm. is a phenomenon. The song June, uh, which deals with his daughter, is one of the most harrowing songs I think I've ever heard in my entire life. I was walking to the tube in Brixton. I was just walking down kind of Brixton High Street uh, when I first got this record and I put it on. And when it got to that song, I was kind of walking down the stairs to go to the tube and I almost had to stop and like hold myself up because I was like, oh my God, this is like so affecting. Um, There's no room for um, kind of wishy-washy like double meanings, double entendres. There's no kind of metaphor on this record. Mm. It is what it is. Mm. Like it is a blunt instrument, his lyrics. His voice is quite blunt, um, but his lyrics are so to the point. Uh, there's no ambiguity to it whatsoever. And I think there's a hell of a lot of bravery of somebody dealing with something as harrowing and as heartbreaking as that in in a way like he does on June. I think it's... I would say that if you're going to listen to this record, that's the place to start. But I, I mean, I don't even know where or when would be the perfect place to, for you to start listening to that song because it is, it is difficult. It is hard, hard work. And this record is in the like the very best records it is very very hard work but it is you know i think it's an absolutely fascinating insight into the mind of uh an incredibly passionate articulate and intelligent individual um did you listen to the last nick cave record yeah i did yeah it's got a bit of that is it it's got a bit of that yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so um samaritan there's a song called samaritans on it which deals with the kind of the idea of like kind of trying to deconstruct what it what masculinity is talking about you know chin up chin up grow up drink up like this is why you never see your father cry like really kind of on the nose powerful Mm. shit that makes you go yeah fuck you're right and it's like we were talking before the show started today about i got like i got started on in h&m when i was buying a t-shirt yesterday and this guy was like you ain't even got a six-pack bruv and I was like, I don't care. Like, mm. I don't fucking care. But there is this, like, and, and actually there's a song television about this the media's obsession with how we look. And it was kind of, that incident reminded me of, like, both those songs, both about Samaritans and about television. Like, people were obsessing about what they look like mm. and deliberately trying to kind of start ultra-aggressive, masculine kind of uh, behaviour for, for literally no reason, mm. just because they feel mm. like they have to. Well, um, and also your six-pack is stunning. <laughs> Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> don't even joke about it. <laughs> right. um, you know, there's a song called Great, which talks about Brexit, kind of Brexit Britain, saying Blighty wants his country back. He cries at the price of a bacon bap. You know, it's funny uh, and it's done with a bluntness that you don't often get in music, which is kind of um, often cloaked in, like I say, cloaked in metaphor. I spoke to Jeremy from Touche and More about Stage 4 uh, when I was at 2000 Trees and I had a really, really, really brilliant conversation with him and I was like, there's stuff on that record that is is so blunt but I kind of don't know what you're talking about and he's like, yeah, I put things in which only I know what it means yeah. but it's surrounded by stuff which is kind of makes it obvious that yeah. it's about something yeah. and this doesn't have any of that it is literally i think it's right like smash on the nose and i think the the musical canvas um 
that you that, that they have is really varied i think the band themselves like i haven't really talked about the band but the band themselves playing this kind of rumbling punk rock post-punk like really kind of down tune he- bass heavy um garage rock i think is is really really great there's a song um there's a song on it uh where one of the lyrics it was called the modern love i think it's called modern love i don't know it's called love song it's called love song and it says you try and try and try to make me change i pray that you will stay the same and i just think like that is mm. uh, that is like such a great such a piercing bullseye critique of being a bloke in a relationship mm. in, an, mm. in a in mm. a dodgy relationship and i mean i think this is an album of the year contender i think it's wow. fucking insanely brilliant my mate uh so my mate my mate ben hello ben i know you listen to this now um uh he he doesn't recommend many bands to me right but when he does they're fucking great right so he he was actually the first person ever to play me refused wow so play. he'll always have that um but he doesn't often he's very kind of picky with what he'll pick and he said you have to listen to idols like and he, he said it about uh a couple of months before uh, i knew that the their new album was coming out so i listened to brutalism and i was like yeah this is good i mean this is a massive step up from that i think cool. um they're really good and a lot of, i know some people have kind of gone oh they're a bit like slaves right and i hate slaves i hate slaves yeah i think they're fucking rubbish but everything that slaves would love to be right i think idols it's are, idols are. Right. like this feels authentic it's intelligent it's genuine it's musically dexterous and ambitious um but it's blunt and it's punk rock and it's there's absolutely no compromise on it whatsoever it's um it's really really brilliant this record cool um so uh we're gonna we're gonna crack on and get to the proper stuff Renfrey you went to go and see Frontera last week um and how was that them and Conjurer I think uh, well well Conjurer were brilliant as usual um <laughs> Contra were fantastic yeah, we always right. say it yeah, like oh, get over yourselves uh yeah god they're so up themselves um Frontera I think are pushing music uh the extremity of music okay. into a place <laughs> which is making a lot of people very uncomfortable mm. um I think the reaction to Unloved their latest record has been quite divisive there have been people it seems that people either think it's absolutely amazing or they're just like oh it's just the same thing over and over again Mm. i think frontera will be remembered as one of those bands who literally moved things on uh in heavy music because most of those bands aren't understood when they initially come out i don't think refused were understood i don't think dillinger escape plan were understood to begin were. with uh um, death napalm death i don't think hellhammer hellhammer <laughs> i don't think uh botch maybe maybe anyone knew about them. yeah yeah <laughs> um, different you know and i i feel uh Meshuggah, even i think even Meshuggah took people took a little while took yeah. A lot, yeah you know took a while to get on board and um, that is how I feel with Frontier. I, I, ju- I just think, and especially live, I cannot. So I have seen, they've played 26 shows and I've seen four of them. <laughs> so I've seen them, you know, like I've seen like a sixth of their shows or something ridiculous like this. And they are just faultless live. Right. Like in terms of like technically 
and this stuff is complex, man. It's really, really complex. Yeah, it really is. Um, it, it, it's it's jaw to the floor, like intense and amazing. It just feels like that. This is one of those records that in 20 years time, people will look back and go, oh, they were doing that. Kind of like, you know, people did that with Sixth after like 10 years and stuff like that. Um, yeah. When Sixth reformed, you know, they started playing the forum and, you know, when they split up, maybe they were doing the underworld. Probably that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I just feel like this is going to be something that genuinely pushes boundaries and pushes uh, where music is going. Uh, which is something that we talked about quite a lot in the interview, okay. Uh, which you are about to hear. Um, Sammy from Employed to Serve got up and did a song uh, with them, which has been unreleased so far, but uh, we've heard that song. Uh-huh. And Justine and Sammy are on it. Um, and I believe it will be released maybe with the next record, which yeah. is more, well, it's not done, but it's 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 all recorded. It's all there. Pedram's still playing about with it and still uh doing more things with it it sounds like that record's going to surprise people as well uh but as you will hear uh in the interview yeah mm. that that um is upcoming now yeah all right <laughs> well let's throw to it here's renfrey talking to frontier we are talking with frontier here and i've got um two members of the band with me uh if you could just both introduce yourselves individually please Pedram Valiani and Jed Capper. Lovely stuff. Um, so, Pedram, uh, you basically started this whole horrible, twisted, disgusting mess that we call Frontier at the moment. You're basically responsible for it. Can you just give me, like, the background of how the band started? As far as I'm aware, it was basically started as a side project of your other band sections. Is that correct? Yeah, so MySpace, basically. Right, MySpace. Yeah. Wow, we're going back to MySpace. MySpace Mathcore, yeah, bring back MySpace Mathcore. <laughs> um, yeah, no, MySpace. So Chad messaged when Section was going at the time. We had one song called Failure Drill. Um, that's a memory. <laughs> and Chad asked, he, he discovered us through MySpace because he's working as an A&R for Basic Records at the time. Ah. And then said, oh, you know, could we go do vocals for a song? And ironically said no because you live miles away right <laughs> the distance was a problem uh ironically um so we said oh well we won't have you on section but why don't we try and do a track together that's not in section just for fun so we did a track that's on youtube now still it's called dissolver and it's not under frontier it's just a random track that's just me and chad um and then based off of that we decided to do an ep an album so have you and now here we are yeah yeah I mean, that's, that's pretty much how it went yeah really that's pretty accurate, accurate. Yeah. The, so the EP was The Collapse I'm guessing yep. 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 Correct. Um, which was 2013 mm-hmm. or something <laughs> like that yeah, uh, yeah five five years ago fucking hell <laughs> <laughs> and then Orange Mathematics yes. was basically I mean essentially the recording of Orange correct. Mathematics is just mm-hmm. the two of you basically yeah. is that yeah. right so you're yeah. doing Pedram you're doing all the instrumental stuff and then yeah. Chad you're doing all the vocals is that the way that Unloved um, yep. came out as well? Same. All, all of the music and uh, yeah, all, all the music we've done under the band has been Chad will do his vocals, writing and recording, sends me them. I do the writing of all the instruments, the mixing and everything, and mm-hmm. recording and so forth at my home studio. So, and is and that's kind of 
I, I feel that that's by um, necessity rather than design, or is that incorrect? Are you are you is that the way that you always sort of wanted to have it, or it's a combination of convenience and wanting to write songs, liking having the creative control that I do because I have certain ideas and like to put songs in a certain direction. And I have band members that allow me to facilitate that because, you know, some of them aren't really interested in writing. Others are, but they're happy to kind of forfeit that and yeah. contribute in other ways. So it's not like anybody's purposely forced out. We do ask for creative input, the two okay. of us, okay. from everybody else. And that helps the evolution because otherwise it you know, gets a bit stagnant. Um, so everybody else gets an input as things are developing, but I won't put anything up until i have like a you know fully developed song or something like that um and then you know get opinions from the guys and see what they think sometimes it's hard for them to actually you know listen to something i've done instrumentally and see where it's going until you've done your bits chad and uh then when when chad's vocals are on it like that's when it's like everything just kind of comes together and okay yeah is there a typical um, way that a frontier in terms of the relationship between the creative relationship between you two is there a typical way that a frontier song is put together I, I think at first it wasn't um, I think that he just wrote the stuff and you know Pedram wrote it and sent it to me and whatever he liked what I was doing he had you know just as much confidence I had in him and what he was doing so it worked out but I think he has an ear for it now I think he because there's things he'll tell me like Hey, this part right here, like maybe try this because mm. he knows what he hears because he knows what I've done prior or what he you know would like, and it works out well. It's just these just small parts here and there, but he kind of lets me have free reign, do whatever I want. Okay, <laughs> so I imagine because <clears throat> when I hear Frontierist stuff, I imagine you get a track and there's so much going on in it. I mean, maybe the demos that you send to Chad are, are there's less going on. I don't know, but I can't imagine how you would even begin to go where do i fit into mm. this quagmire of you know electronic glitches heavy guitars like everything but you know is it, that ever a challenge yeah it was definitely when uh when i did the collapse it was it had to make my brain think differently um and i just kind of threw things at it find sections that i liked and yeah. uh it could be the middle it could be the end yeah, yeah i still yeah. do that you know and i write around it but um yeah no now like the the demos he sends are pretty much the final tracks like wow. so I, everything that you hear he may throw a different little sound in there but they're pretty much true to form almost entirely true to form so i have to write to that but it's so much easier now like i literally i could take a song and have it back to him pretty quickly okay like, yeah i mean glitcher was the first one we ever wrote for unlove with vocals and uh it was out very quickly back to him yeah cool you know? okay yeah so the um i know we've discussed this a little bit in the past bedroom the um the uh, the approach that Frontier take is basically an all-out assault, I would yeah. say. Yeah. You know, the two full lengths that you've got out are around an hour long, one's 16 tracks, one's 15, including the bonus tracks, you know. Um, and certainly Orange Mathematics just feels like complete drilling pain yeah, <laughs> the yeah, whole time. Yeah. No, I mean that in no, the nicest that. way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh so it was has that always been sort of the intent is that sort of what you're going for i kind of think of this as a modern i feel like slayer were trying to do that from like rain and blood onwards is this sort of 
the mo- that idea but put in with modern 21st century effects and glitches and all sorts of stuff i'm kind of it's it's, it's not a singular it's not a singular answer for that question um mm-hmm. there's so many different reasons as times went on and even now you know i just i get desensitized by my music by the time it comes out so i listen to it and in the moment when i write the parts i'm like oh fuck yeah i bang my head like i i have to actually resonate with my own music and i have to be my own fan for it to pass qc for it to then be a song that i keep it just so happens that a lot of the stuff that i do that you know that kind of head bombing activity too is stuff that's incredibly you know abrasive and heavy and whatever you call it like metal kind of music but there's other stuff too and i mean more of that came in this album on love and going forward that creeps in even further and sort of it will develop more but you can get that same sort of impact from from electronic music as well yeah definitely. And, and that's the sort of vibe i'm i'm wanting to push without landing on a bucket of cliches mm-hmm. like i know mm-hmm. you know people don't like new metal and they don't like the electronic elements that came into some new metal stuff I think Slipknot did it really well with yep. the, in the early days, so that's a huge influence. So I think it's about taking that, some of that, and it's it's weird. Like I I compare writing to like cooking, okay, like, like and and like every 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 um every track is like a a different meal. And the way I approach it in my mind, despite it probably sounding pretentious to people that might not relate, it's just the way that my brain works when I when I come to write music and stuff. And too much of something will make me feel sick. And I've always said before, like the music I write, like with Orange Mathematics, was kind of like musical comfort food. Like I just okay. wanted, I just wanted a lot of something in in like a space of time. So you know, it just had to be wired like. That's not just this sort of cooking analogy. That's also partly like a dissatisfaction of what else was out there and me wanting to write something that filled the gap. Because after I wrote that album, you know, truthfully speaking, like I just listened to it constantly myself. Yeah. So I I listen to my own albums on commutes and stuff. Like I don't really listen to heavy bands. I listen to my stuff. Right. And I, I reflect on it, and that's how I change stuff. Like we're talking already about this third record that's finished and done. Right. And I've, I've, and we can get to that later, but. I've listened to that now and I've listened to Unloved and I've listened to Orange Mathematics and I've looked at them chronologically and I just listen to them on my commutes and I go out for walks and stuff all the time and I'm like, nah, nah that needs to change. Nah, this, this kind of has to be less of this. And that process, I think, is going to be quite... Like, I like I like viewing the band like chronologically like over time rather than just being like, this album's got to be this sound, that album's going to be that sound. I want to actually throw time into it. Like, I don't want to be a band that just does five albums in seven years and then it's, like, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd yeah. rather, you know, pull it out over 15, 20 till, you know, Chad can't walk anymore. <laughs> I need a cane. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sorry for... Uh, I'm, I'm diverging from your question a bit, but um, oh, I'll let you continue if anyone wants to add on that subject. No, no, no. no. I, it's, it's interesting. I mean, there's a few things I can pick up from there. Uh, I think, firstly, I need to say... I would never, ever in a billion, million years describe Frontier as comfort food. But that seems to be the way that you see it because you listen to it so much and this whole desensitising thing. Um, uh, like, how does that process work where it just it just becomes completely numb 
to you and, and become something that isn't super heavy anymore? Is it just because you're constantly listening to it over and over and over and over again? Yeah, pretty much. That's that's it. So, yeah, I think comfort is the best analogy for me because it's, I think, from a listener's perspective, if they like it, they just want more and more, more. It's, you know, it's like a buffet. You just want to yeah. keep shoveling in your mouth and get your money's worth. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I view the same thing with um, <coughs> with with uh, the writing and the recording. Like initially, my aim was to write music of a certain intensity and style that I could get a kick out of, that I could headbang and you know, enjoying the same way that I enjoyed other bands when I went to gigs when I was younger and you know enjoyed jumping about in the front row and stuff. It's the same vibe, you know. Um, yeah. So I try. I'm just. I'm just trying to recreate that same vibe. And yeah, while the music might be of a different, you know, genre style, intensity, speed, whatever you, you know, you know, describe it as that core, you know, ad- addiction aspect of it comes out in the the writing, which then I think translates to the listening from the listener's perspective as well. Mm-hmm. And there's this kind of, um, well, you know, if I can sort of talk about sort of uh criticisms and so on and so forth just a little bit like whenever i read criticisms of of frontier as a band it seems to be kind of uh the fact that it's this onslaught and kind of like an endurance test you know um but i also get the feeling that that's almost it's almost like that by design um like you want it to be not not esoteric or, or but maybe do, I mean do you want it to be difficult? Do you want it? Weed to be... the weak ones out, basically. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like honestly, like it's 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 not it's not arbitrary. Um, <coughs> I just again we we both we both just like to write records that I guess maybe they, we do like to write records that are an endurance test. I like the I like that from a heavy perspective because mm. it. It just challenges you to keep to keep listening to find new things to go back and listen to things to find elements that weren't there previously. Yeah, I mean, I every time I've ever written any record, any music that I've done, it's I listen to a ton of light music mm-hmm. for months. I say mm-hmm. light it could be space rock, it could be post rock, and then I'll turn the switch on, and all the stuff becomes heavier because I haven't basically desensitized myself to other metal music. Yeah, um, and I try to make sure not to follow a pattern, but. Yeah, when, when I'm writing new stuff from him, it's I get ideas instantly, and I will start the middle of the track or the end of the track, and I just try to make it as crazy as I can, but I always try to make an element that someone can latch on to, whether it's a phrase or a pattern, and then I write around that, because that is something that, in that style of craziness, the only thing that people are going to pull away from it is a really cool riff that is rocking out, or a really cool drum beat, but if you got a vocal pattern, too, that is off-kilter, but also grabs your attention by what is said or how it's said, mm. then now you've got a product that can be still absorbed, even though it may be, you know, something that's very thick. You know what I mean? Yeah. That is hard to absorb. So when you're writing vocals, Chad, you are trying to write hooks in a sense, even in though a you're sense, not. Yeah, because I mean, there's not a lot of that in this. In the, I mean, we anyone that's into the extreme music, as we all are, we we will find a hook in things because we, we know what to look for. We know what our ears catch on to. But it's our stuff because sometimes be almost so crazy that there are times I come up with something and I'm like, I'll see if I like that later. But I'll take that and write around it. And it is, that is, you're correct. It is yeah. like a hook. Yeah. Where other bands may, they'll have a hook, but it's a lot of times their chorus. We don't really have that type of structure to our songs. Yeah. 
but it will be something. And usually, Pedro's very good about ending his tracks at a very big like climax. And yeah. um, I also vocally will always end my tracks usually with very big like climax in the vocals, whether it's what I'm saying or how it's said. And that's the way I've always tried to structure it because I think that's what people go back to. It may be too crazy for them, but they'll go, crap, I got to go listen to that again. Yeah, yeah, Listen yeah. to that ending again. And if you do that pattern, if you start it out right, have a nice like middle ground that gives you one a, a breath of something and then you end it with something crazy or awesome, people will replay your stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, But but as as someone says, so you know, there's not... Um, any singing in Frontier stuff? I think that's probably maybe it's pretty pretty close, pretty sporadic. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. pretty yeah. So, in order to make vocal hooks, you're using rhythm more than anything. I would guess yeah. is that the main tool you'd use, yeah. or or um, call phrases, or I mean, yeah, what, I mean, the what slight manipulations do? of the way I'm using my voice, even though I've got a more of a they'll claim it as a monotone mid grade, but there's many bands that do. But the way I will kind of bend the vocal you know, my style a little bit or, and I'll somehow try to create a hook out of it. But Cool. Yeah. Um, I've noticed, um, despite, despite that criticism that sometimes you've had of like, uh, uh, things being relentless and being an endurance test. I do think that unloved has more of a structure than orange mathematics personally. Um, I think once you get to heartless one Oh one, uh, which is track six, I believe, mm-hmm. it starts to get uh, a little bit more of this electronic influence come in. And, and I feel like the record is a, is a game of two halves. It's really quite brutal at the beginning. And then the second half is more of the electronic kind of experimentation. Is that a fair assessment or is that accurate, would you say? Yeah, I guess cool. it's a conscious decision to write a record that, you know, where all of the, the sort of interesting goodies and and the the weird experimentation can happen in the middle because I think there's so many records, some that I love, that go for a a big start, big ending, forget about the middle, and that's where you get the filler tracks. Yeah, that I think if you know, people playlist records like bits and records, and they dissect them and just take a few tracks and then say, "I'm going to listen to these ones; they're my favorite bits." That's how I remember the band. So, <coughs> yeah, I think it was, it, it was a conscious decision to to say, let's put all this this cool stuff that flows in the middle let people kind of lose themselves and then that's why reprogrammed on ends with just that that song to me is one of my favorite songs i've written because especially this this album cycle it just got to the point and it just lasted single length radio single length three minutes 30 start to end the kind of you know the cookie cutter definition of frontier just mm. an absolute assault and it just finishes on like that mm. Whereas Orange Mathematics finished it with Dusk, which the title of the song kind of... people I don't know, people might pick up on... There's some connections between some of the, the titles and stuff between the songs. I don't want to get too pretentious about it, but that's that's the way it, it kind of gets written. Um, it's kind of opposite of Dusk in that sense, the way that the record ends, the okay. last one.
because we're talking about Heartless 101, I know that's one of the tracks where there's collaboration and stuff like that. And there's a few collaborations on this mm-hmm. record. Mm-hmm. Can you just tell me about those and how they came about? And so we have that? Mike and Greg from Carbomb. Originally, that was just meant to be Mike from Carbomb on Heartless 101, but we were struggling to get um, stuff back from Mike because he's just had a really, really busy schedule. Mm. And he's a busy guy. Mm. And um, we didn't think it was going to happen. But we met at Euroblast and we talked about it because we'd already asked him in advance of Euroblast when we played. And he was totally down for it. Um, and eventually he got around to recording uh, some parts. And when he did, I think he must have did it with Greg. So Greg decided to throw in some guitar tracks as cool. well. Nice. So it was just kind of an added extra set of textures. So I actually took Greg's guitar track and... Uh, did the most car bomb thing I could probably do and, and just cut all his guitar tracks up into little bits cool. and just put them uh, here and there. I don't th- I don't even know if where I put them was his intention, so we don't even know if what where I put them was where he actually had recorded them. Once them, yeah. <clears throat> but I put them in in Heartless 101 and then, yeah, we had th- those two guys on, on that track and then on our unreleased bonus track, the one we're playing on this tour that people know as a new song um, mm-hmm. that will be coming out at some point that was Justine and Sammy from Employee to Surf we got mm-hmm. that track um, so if anyone thinks that the record is long now <laughs> yeah. it was going to be one track another, longer another edition <laughs> yeah. yeah so sorry <laughs> um, I'm particularly I mean you, you mentioned before <clears throat> that like you were initially reluctant to have uh to, to work with chad just just because of distance yeah uh, but of course that is what has ended up ended up happening and you know you used to have three members in scotland one member in portugal i believe and one member in missouri is it missouri that you're Correct. yeah so now you've got four members in scotland and one in missouri but how i just want to know how the dynamic of working uh with a band when one of your members is literally across an ocean um, works. Obviously, it's something which you could only do in the 21st century, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I'd say it's honestly piss easy. Like, really? It's, it's, not, it's not a challenge. And I think that we're not the only band doing it. There are other bands out there yeah. that, are, that are doing it and bands that deal with logistics and stuff. No bother. I think when you have a process, it's, it's easy. Sure. As long as everybody knows what they're contributing, where the, the lines are drawn in terms of, like... What allows us to get through stuff quicker and allows us to have a finished product or whatever we're aiming to do. And when I say product, I don't just mean records. I mean a tour or you know some sort of press thing or whatever. As everybody kind of has a mutual understanding, things just flow really quickly, and yeah. there's no there's no there's no barriers. Um, so I think that the way that we make it work is we had our bass player Callum. He lived in Portugal, but he's from Scotland. He's moved back to Scotland, so now we have four members all in the same country and okay. just chad over in the states okay and uh yeah it, it works fine it just means that all the instruments can rehearse regularly we can learn new songs for tours all that stuff and we don't even you know after this tour we, we did this tour without chad with a single rehearsal we picked him up in the airport the first day of the show and then we just went right to the show and then that's it wow you know? okay so Very interesting i wouldn't advise it for everyone but uh, it worked for us it doesn't work right. for, for everyone but you know i think i think if you, if you know your stuff and you yeah. rehearse it on your own and you have the right tools to rehearse you don't need people around mm. you to, to do it 
um, just be self-sufficient and um, it's paid off and we had fun and it's not caused us any problems so far final show tonight <laughs> but, uh, with, with rehearsals so I think yeah um, logistically it's not a bother the, well, fi- okay. the finance is in place to make it happen when we want a tour fortunately enough for fans and people who support us and we have a fucking brilliant team um, and I mean that in the term, terms of the rest of the band members we've got we've got crew you know we've got like a, a full squad everyone's really integrated and everybody has their own roles and it's you know that team has expanded on this tour run and probably we will expand more mm. as we go forward and they're all based pretty much in the UK as well you know okay. or, or, or in Scotland um, in terms of like the role, the role breakdowns Dan is the the guy for booking all of the shows um, he's an experienced tour manager and manages bands himself of course so and Dan he plays second guitar he <coughs> manages like and so I watch from afar yep. and so on and so forth but, yeah, yeah so he he's working with and so I watch you from afar and um, a few other Scotch bands Halo Tora yes uh, being one of them Sudden Burst of Colour yep, yeah Sudden Burst of Colour as well so he he's full on with those guys and his experiences from for years and years have really contributed to this band not having the initial hiccups you would if you've never toured before because he knows what to do and what not to do mm. and the, yeah it's it's an immense contribution and without it we wouldn't be we wouldn't be touring this regularly and mm. we wouldn't I don't I don't think I would enjoy touring unless he was at the helm of it because yeah. he my previous experiences in sectioned with our old lineup just made me think there's no way in hell I want to be in a van with people for right. you know a few days so it's really turned my opinion around on it okay um, so it's real credit real credit to him from that he's a consummate professional when it comes to it as well like I'm a bit more <clears throat> the, way, the way I am I'm kind of I'm a bit more sort of jokey a bit less serious like I I think everybody has a different um, persona based on what their careers and stuff are as well and Dan Dan works in music full time that is his career and stuff and so I'm a bit kind of more yeah, I do, I've got another job and stuff as well so I'm a bit like you know take it or leave it and yeah. yeah Dan Dan is you know a very polished professional individual yeah um, and I hope he takes that positively if he's listening <laughs> back to this um, but you know I'm, I'm, I'm a bit more lax in that sense and the rest of our crew as well we've, we've for the first time we've had our own sound guy um, in the form Ian. of Ian and we've had our own uh, well, yeah, photographer Nick, um, who's you know, he's only twenty one and he's insane. He's, he's absolutely insane. Like I can't believe it. The guy's been everywhere and uh, he's just he's just absolutely nuts. And he's been doing all the photography for us this tour, and we couldn't be happier with with what yeah. he's done. Um, we've also got Cali, our driver and everything guy, and our lights guy. Mm. He does our he does our lights for mm-hmm. us as well. We have like a whole system that we've designed to to get our lights working the way we do. He's like the glue. Yep, and and Owen is the drummer and resident peanut allergy guy. <laughs> He's just allergic to everything, but he makes up for it in all his insane drumming. Okay. Um. Yeah, going on a, a, a bit of a list there, but I think it's important that that everyone that knows about the band knows that there are other people involved heavily. Um. 
yeah, behind the scenes. It's not just the guys that you see. Oh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, we, yeah. we write it and, and you know we write the music. That that I, I think it's fundamentally you need the music, and we write the music, and that's it's, it's there. That's a given. That's done. But actually, getting a full form band that can tour, and I mean, in Europe, you, you know, you're touring countries, l- tons of different languages. It's not like America, where you know you can fly for five hours to the other side of the country, and everyone speaks the same language, and mm. the culture is mm. kind of pretty much the same. No offense, Chad. Um, but in in Europe, you know, everyone's there's different. So many different languages. You know, there's different mm. currencies and stuff. And our bass player Callum happens to speak like seven languages in right. some shape or form. So, you know, he's he's fluent in at least three or four and he's constantly learning. So when it comes to doing merch and stuff, he can be down there helping That's out. Great. Right. And and if there's any requests we need from the venue for something, he can handle that. So signs on the street yeah. or drive. <laughs> yeah, signs signs on the street for parking or strobe light warnings or whatever, you know. He he does it he does that he does that incredibly well. So, you know, it just it's I think the thing I'm most happy about this band is that we've insourced so much talent that allows us to function. Yeah. And it's not just me and Chad that writing the music, because mm. I mean, like I said, that's a given. Everybody else's contributions have allowed it to become a moving train mm. Mm. Um, in the touring sense. Mm-hmm. So. Have you toured as much as you would like to, though? Because we're speaking now before your 26th show. Is that correct? Is it 26? I am not counting. I'm not fully counting, but it probably would be about that. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think so. Because this, this tour is um, as long as about all the shows we've played before. Yeah. Bar yeah. a couple of festivals. So, yeah. yeah. So... Does that become a frustration in terms... Because I'm assuming you... I, I, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I would assume you would tour more if the uh, this ocean in, wasn't wasn't in your way, you know, effectively. I, mean, I, th- I think this needs two answers, so I'll answer first, and then you give okay. your, yeah. your... So I think, there is, I think there's an optimum amount of touring, and we've come up with another band that will facilitate more touring in the form of sections. sections with the yeah. same lineup, four guys, different vocalists. So we can get that touring element out in a more regular basis yeah. throughout the year. That said, there's something to be said, I think, for constant touring. Mm-hmm. And I, I think as much as we would all love it, I think six months in a year, all that sort of stuff, it's 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 too accessible for people as well. Mm-hmm. We've kind of we've got a bit of a notoriety for for you know, having limited edition stuff, having stuff in short quantities. And I like that that extends a bit to the gigs as well because mm-hmm. it means, you know, it's it's simple like stuff. Like turnouts will be better if you play mm-hmm. less and people know they can't catch you that often and they'll travel. And I mean, people on this tour have traveled five-hour journeys. People come from like Austria, the other side of Austria to come into Budapest to see us in Hungary. And it's crazy. And that level of devotion, that determination and that level of fandom is like, we're all in awe about that because we see when we see that it shows it's like, you know, weed the weak ones out. These guys are really, really, yeah. really into it. It makes it feel like more of an event, yeah, frontier yeah, yeah. or in, in town as well, I guess. Yeah, um, and to, to answer your question in a short point, I would like to tour more if yes. we could, if we could do it. Okay, but I think the it would have to be selective, selective events, you know, festivals and things. We would do those, but I, I don't think it's so circumstantial. I couldn't mm. just say, "Oh yeah, we want to tour like six months in a year" because we don't. We want to tour 
on the terms that make it work for everybody in the band mm. when we want to that make it you know comfortable and enjoyable um so that's my answer do you have chad a part b chad yeah yeah um and Ped's right on i mean it won't be too different i mean yeah i mean we would all love to tour more and everything but i've always said that all my favorite bands are the bands that i always liked i mean if they were always bands who didn't go around very often you know mm. they didn't play the certain you know the certain scene that mm. i lived in or whatever or they just didn't tour and there was something said when they did come you know and there's a magic to that cult status that if you can create that mm. and you create a sound that people are like holy crap like mm. we've got to we've got to hear this then you do create that element of being able to have gigs that are full um have your merch being sold out um mm. hopefully landing bigger bigger tours or bigger packages you know what i mean when when you're as long as you grow your product right and then from there then if you do have like a pick of the litter if you do have better um options then when you do tour more they're more you get more from them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, there's nothing wrong with playing to three people. Listen, mm. No one likes it, but there's nothing wrong with it because that's three new fans you got. Yeah. But if you can do it correctly, there's. I think that we're doing it right. And, I mean, it does make it hard. Like, I've got a family, you know, I got two kids. And work in America is different than it is over here in the sake of what you get off. They, You know, for time-wise, they don't give you a lot of holiday breaks. And mm. it's uh, it's tough. So I squeezed everything in just to do this for my whole year. I took my whole year's time that I would earn to do this tour wow. and it was worth it you know what I mean I would yeah. never not do that you know and all the guys are so supportive of that you know they would if I said no I can't do it they wouldn't bat an eye they would literally say okay and be okay with it and that I think what makes the family of the band even tighter knit and mm -hmm. it's it, for like the non-practice thing you know we, we show up on stage and it sounds like we've been practicing and it's just it's insane so there's like I'm trying to think of the term, but basically lightning in a bottle, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's just something in lines when we get together to do it. So if the timing is right and the tours are right and we all can get off, then we'll you know, get off of the dates. We'll be able to do it, you yeah. know? Yeah. We've done three headline tours, and that's dumb. Yeah. Like, yeah. But it worked. Yeah. Like, that's dumb for, for a band. When that's we started and whatever, it was like, oh, we're just going to do it ourselves. But it just, it just shows that we don't, we don't care. We just want to do what we want to do. And, it's resulted in you know coming back a third time now for our longest tour run we played a show we played a couple of shows where we were the only band on this yeah. tour run yeah. we played in, in Aachen in Germany and we were the only band and like 30 40 people showed up and I was like what the fuck like <laughs> like I couldn't, I couldn't believe it I was like how like yeah. where are these people because you know I think when you when you grow your social media following or whatever if you, you know if you're a band and you're on Facebook and stuff you, you you begin to recognize names of people who like your stuff and yeah. you, you sometimes you build a relationship with them you actually you know interact with them but you, you see certain names and certain people and you recognize them and sometimes you maybe think oh maybe that person will come to the show because they're playing in the city we are or whatever but there's like so many people in like I, I can I've never met in my life I have no you know I've never seen them comment on anything or whatever some people that said oh I only heard of the album two weeks ago on Bandcamp so I thought I'd come down to the show and I'm like fuck that's crazy mm. like mm. that's 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 great you know it almost makes it sort of um cult e mm -hmm. yeah you know it reminds me of um yeah. uh botch or daughters or coalesce maybe yeah. or like those kind of bands who like felt you know i never got to see botch and i think as a result of never getting to see botch they're even more special to me in yep. a weird way <laughs> you know because like 
it could ruin a band for you if 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 you Potentially. especially if you if you have a band on record that you get so much out of if they don't live up to that live expectation after you waiting you know ten years after to listen to that record yeah. then that can be an anticlimax yeah absolutely yeah. and and I like to be clear like. I've seen you guys three times now. Like you guys definitely live up to. Thank I mean, you, it's almost like seeing the record. It's like holy shit, you know. It's really, uh, it's so visceral and it's so, it's such an assault as 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 we've been talking about quite a lot. Thanks. But like, it really does. You know, it feels like if it uh, if it ended next year, which I don't think it's going to, but if it did, then it would be this really special moment in time that like a hundred people in a city would be like oh my god did you go to that show and like one of those things where you know 10,000 people actually said they went to this show tonight which is actually only 250 <laughs> cap or whatever you know that kind of that kind of vibe to it and I think that makes it even more special yeah in a way there probably will be I mean there will be an ex- expiration date I don't know when the date is but mm. there, there will be an expiration date for it down the line somewhere mm. but I can't foresee or we can't foresee our own evolution at this stage and I talked to you before about I've talked to you previously about doing things chronologically not just looking at records but actually like 10, 5, 15 you know whatever how many ever many years so a lot of factors will play into whatever happens with this band it won't just be the the, the music if I run out of ideas I run out of ideas but yeah. the thing is we've got, we've got like an untapped resource here in that I do all the writing Chad does the vocal writing, but we have three other members there that could usually contribute ideas to records going forward. So, yeah. you know, it sounds that begins to sound arbitrary because it's like, you know, oh, we'll do the record where the band are all involved at some point. Mm. And then that will be, I mean, I don't know what that will sound like, but mm. it could be good. It could be shit. Mm. It might not see the light of day. Um, but the fact I know that we have that tool in the box yeah. later makes me know that okay we can at least get to that stage and see it's what a, happens it's a completely different band and you're probably going to laugh me bring it up but that's actually sort of what Weezer did yeah. so we, Weezer you know Rivers wrote most of the music and then on the Red album he was like I'm going to open it up to everyone Everybody. And, and it made a like a, to- a really cool Weezer record but a totally different record so mm-hmm. it's quite interesting but like talking about you know future stuff like you've already said that you have a third record more or less, like, can I say in the can? Is it like done? Is it what? What are we? What? Where is that third album? You, you could you could put it out now, and it would be a third record, but it's not perfect yet in my mind. So okay. it's not going to come out yet. It's going to get a bit more done to it before. It okay, is. but it's yeah, about the same same length, slightly shorter, um, and yeah, it's it's what you'd expect it to be, and more, and a couple of the tracks were going to be on a love they're not anymore in fact I say a couple I think it's only just one track okay. uh, I decided it would work better but this one it's not even just about the the music being slightly different the production is completely different Okay. so it's still intense but rather than letting people like the, the last couple of albums the guitars and stuff are just kind of like a wash and a wave yeah. and a you know some people think it's shit like other people think it sounds really you know full on and you know that sort of HM2E kind of buzzsaw guitar type tone or whatever. This time around, the third record, everything is just clear as day. There's no hiding. Right. So that was a conscious change again. Um, it could be that the biggest thing that people take from the next record is that they can hear everything clearly, and so there's no, you know, there's no lies about it. There's no hiding. There's no hiding. 
essentially that's okay. that's it that's a creative decision that i've i've taken on the, the instrumental part moving forward onto the next record and i think yeah hopefully if i when i finish it it will yeah i don't want to go too much too much into to what no, i've got planned cool. but yeah i think i think it will i i, I personally the guitar tone and stuff like it's that's going down to the small details but the guitar tone i've got for this record it's the best i've i've ever managed to come up with that i felt suited what i wanted to do on this record so cool um, has any of the reactions to um unloved changed the direction of the third album yeah I, definitely for me at the moment I'm, i've i've taken on some feedback from listeners in the sense that they've heard things i've not heard and i thought oh actually no i didn't do that or no baby i did do that too much um so it's changed some aspects now i know where i want to make the changes mm-hmm. they're not necessarily huge mm-hmm. but subtle changes can sometimes make big differences mm-hmm. so yeah like it, it it has affected and i think anybody that does read a review of a you know their their work or whatever is going to take something on the chin and they'll probably you know they probably will adapt in some way shape or form but you know i'm not I'm not rewriting the record here. I'm just sure. taking the feedback and thinking. I'm challenging myself and saying, actually, can I do this the way that they're describing, but better than they expected? Mm-hmm. And put that on a record, and then let Chad do his thing. Mm-hmm. And if he wants to change it up, he can change it up. But I've already said to Chad, there's a few things I've requested that he does on the third record prior to us releasing Unloved. I mean, mm-hmm. the whole record had been sitting there. I wrote two albums, sort of, and almost in parallel like I finished Unloved and then let him have months for the vocals and just continued writing so right okay um, so it's largely like I'd say 80% of it isn't going to change and the last 20% will will swap a bit and, yeah. and tweak I think into, I always I view um, Frontier as an incredibly progressive band um, there's uh, you know metal gets metal music or extreme music or heavy music gets progressively heavier and harder as we go on if you go back to the slayer example you know rain and blood was probably the heaviest record that came out in 1986 and was probably the heaviest thing that anyone ever ever heard etc etc but you know these days i wouldn't say sounds tame but there's definitely much much heavier stuff than it is and i wonder sometimes if some people uh listen to frontier stuff and just can't take it in because maybe it's just a little bit ahead of its time Possibly. i wouldn't i'd say it's like i'd say i'm sorry i keep cutting you out of this chat i want your opinion on this in a second but <laughs> while i while i remember i don't forget i'd say that it's um it's very uh yeah sorry could you just finish that repeat that, that last bit yeah um a bit distracted over the wall change um talking about it being um incremental so like heavy, yeah, yeah, heavy yeah. music. I'd say it's very, in, it's very in its era. Mm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's ahead of its time or it's behind or whatever. I think everything about this band is very in the moment, now, current. We are riding a wave. We don't know where we're going. We're just on it. We're enjoying it, and we'll see where that takes us. In terms of change and progression, and you mentioned, you know, progression of the band and stuff. For me, it's very much. I view it as incremental, but the incremental changes I make might make a drastic change overall. So I've gone between the first record, the second record, and even the collapse. 
and thought, well, I'm going to change the guitar tone slightly here. I'm going to change the drums slightly here. I'm going to change you know, something on my whammy or something slightly here. And then that's created the next record. So I don't like often ripping everything apart and starting again. I like mm-hmm. to take something as a base, tweak elements around everything else, and then move on based on, on that. So I think, to get to my point, on the third record, which we already have a title kind of tentatively for, um, I'm still viewing it as incremental change, but I feel like everyone will probably see this as the most drastic change in some okay. ways. Sonically, okay. at least, than the previous two records. Interesting. Okay. What's your take on um, Frontier? Yeah, I think that you're having me right on that. Like, I don't think that like a lot of bands try to be so different. You know, mm. they try to go out and they try to reinvent the wheel to make it so different that, not that they don't succeed in it. I think that, like Pedro said, we live in the moment. Everything that we do is progressively where we're at currently. But I think that we also go in with no minds being swayed by other things. Like Pedro doesn't listen to a lot of other outside music, to be honest, when it comes to metal. Um, and I know that when I, I listen to a lot, but I also mm. listen to a lot of the mild stuff rock progressive rock before then before recording and writing fully because i make it a lot heavier Mm -hmm. but i also have a really good ear of things i've already heard and so i my patterns a lot of times don't make sense to a lot of people but it always makes sense in the music and i've always been praised for that and um so i do take like a pat on the back for that but also i think differently when i hear the music Mm. however it is you know whether i pick it out from the middle of the track to the end of the track and then right around that I'm always trying to make my voice as percussive as possible to have its own rhythm as it fits to the other rhythms. Because it'll go in, it could be with the beat, and it'll sway out of the beat in its own rhythmic pattern, and it'll hop right back into it. Mm. And that's part of the trying to make a hook or make it catchy or whatever it may be to something that's madness to most ears. But Because um, even though the music is absolutely bewildering to a lot of people, you're actually, you're actually trying to hook people in yes, with, with uh, something, as you say, rhythmic or something. Yeah, along those lines. something that they can latch on because they're going to latch on to his riffs. They're definitely mm. going to do that. They're going to look to the next record, like what sounds can he, he, like can basically Pedram come up with next, um, and that's exciting for people because it's the whole this whole whammy age is. It's like Digitech's got to be like just loving it because bands are hopping on it again. You yeah, know they I mean? really like, are. Yeah. It's crazy, yeah. but um, that's the same thing. I'm also like, what can I do this round to make this album even heavier, but even, I won't say catchier, but um, grabbing you more, you know, making you want to hear the track again. But I don't think we're ahead of our times. I think just maybe the way we think may be a little bit more advanced on how to make extreme music more palatable when it's not a palatable thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not, you, you, it's not meant to be able to digest it. Yeah, but by its nature. But somehow it's digestible. Maybe in pieces, but it's still digestible. Mm. Um, and I think we're harnessing that craft, each record, a little bit more. Mm. Um, at least with our sound. I think that is something that maybe kind of like uh, bending the genre a bit, maybe. We find it accessible because we write it and uh, we know our own flows and the way we like to write and mm. that's why we find it accessible we, we basically I've like memorized it so I know all the patterns and stuff mm. and I can mm. eardrum them and I, I know what's coming next etc I guess probably maybe the same for other musicians too but what Chad was saying about being percussive and he's basically a you know is the extra instrument another fifth instrument in there and if I had my way like I, I said to him on the last record I was like oh can you do 
you know, more stuff synced to like where the kick and the guitars are and stuff. And he didn't go overboard with it, and that's that's good. But if it was me, like I'd be doing it all the time, and then I'd get this whole like fatiguing. Oh, you just, it's just this over constant, constant, constantly. Um, like in fluorescent nights, the the song, the the start of that song was the bit that just comes about twenty thirty seconds in. Like I love that bit because every single scream he does hits where the guitar does, and it's mm. kind of like bleak in that sense, where it's just his voice is is an instrument. Mm. Um, mm. Like it's like you know it's it's just like another layer, like the whammy or something like that. He can sync it perfectly, um, which makes Chad a really good. He's a great vocalist to work with because you just send him songs. And he'll just send you all the files in a Dropbox, all the ideas, everything done, nothing really having to be redone. We did a little bit retweaking this yeah, time around, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's there, and then that's it. And then we don't, it's, it's set and forget. I don't need like to tweak. Like it's just, that's it. If there's something drastically off, we'll talk about it. Mm. But you know, you can't. I can't. I can't spend ages and ages and ages perfecting a record it's sure, just yeah. it has to just be done if it's going out it's going out if not it's forgotten it's in the bin yeah. forget I mean, it chaos can't be perfected it can only be harnessed and sure. so that's all we do let it do its thing from there and it seems like it's doing what it, what we intended it to do yeah. and then some yeah you know i guess to me I, I suppose the reason that i use that sort of ahead of its time um uh phrase is because i feel like when people dismiss frontera and this sounds like a big up myself thing to say but fuck it i feel like it's because they it's so beyond what a lot of other people are doing i feel like you've taken you know tech metal was getting quite stale i I feel and i don't think i wouldn't just describe you as a tech metal band but it feels like you've pushed it to this ridiculous nth degree which i don't really hear anyone else doing probably bar section actually Uh, you know um so like i think that's what i mean when i say i I don't really hear anyone else doing what pushing things to the extent that frontier is i guess um there are a couple there are quite a few like a couple of bands that i like that i think are doing more like in some ways they're a benchmark for me at least um so yeah, no, I mean it, it's fla- it's it's flat it's absolutely flattering to hear that mm. that that you would hold us in such high regard. But my immediate reaction in my mind when you're saying that there is, but is it really like because we know all the songs? I know all the songs. I know the structures. To me, it's like I don't record to a like we don't play to a click live, and we don't record to I record to a click, but I, I don't map time signatures or anything like that. Okay. It's just I just play with the rhythm, and I'm like, is this really the like if if you think this is so far ahead of time, it's like is this really the like without bringing myself up, is this really the peak of what you would say? It's not, but like I mean, I don't think it is. Is this no. is this clo- close to like the peak of us, or you know, is this how extreme heavy music is going? Because I'm like, ah, oh, I don't see it being finished yet. Mm-hmm. I want to mm-hmm. push the boat. I'm certainly not saying it's at the the zenith at all. No, 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 yeah, yeah, no. And I'm not, I'm not saying that it, it should be either. Um, I think it's more a conflict within me is to say, well, where am I going next with this? What am yeah, I doing? Yeah. And I'm just reflecting right now as we're chatting about this in this in this interview. I'm just sort of getting ideas and 
and inspirations and things. It feels like you're constantly thinking ahead, though. From yeah, we we plan we, we mm. plan well well in advance. We plan into the future, and I mean, last year I wrote f- three albums and an EP, fifty songs recorded, okay. mixed, mastered. So right. I I am looking to the future, in that sense. Yeah, cool. Um, but no, I think the live show, and again. The, the extremity everything you wouldn't have a face to the band without the live show I don't think no you'd see album covers and you'd wonder who the guy is behind it but the live show is the thing that's the it's evolving it's what's know, pushing it's, 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 it's yeah, yeah. Espe- I think so yeah especially on this tour on this tour that we've done and that, again that's credit to Dan for organising all that mm. but yeah the live show is is helping the band evolve and it's helped influencing the music going forward okay. and some of the creative decisions that I took on this third record were based off what worked live and what didn't and what I think will work better live so there's also that to consider does that mean that you'll want to play if it if it works out and I know it's not always going to be uh, uh, it's not always going to be practical but does that mean that you want we would like to play live more in the future in, in order to uh, further what Frontera are doing effectively yeah I, I, I definitely don't get me wrong we, we love playing live and there are certain things on the road one big thing being the hospitality that we get which has been absolutely tremendous every mm. promoter that's put us up every night because that hospitality is what motivates you for me at least it does it helps enormously the fans coming to the shows is the main like you know I want to get out there I want to play heavy music to people that really enjoy it like that really take it in but the, the hospitality that we receive is just like it's it's unreal like people people that I've never met putting us up for a night and you know like if they're booking a room for us and cooking us like you know have cooking dinner and stuff like that it's just it's unreal it makes me think like it just makes you want to do more and more and more. It's it's a it's a it's a motivator, you know. I'm not saying oh I'm I'm doing this because, you know, I want to get a free meal and all this. Sure. Like, you, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's the 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 the, the, all the these, kindness on the road. Yeah, the, the, the generosity and the kindness of people makes me think that we owe them something back in a sense. Without it, forcing anything on the music. But um, yeah, long story short, we definitely would like to tour more touring on our own terms and making sure that it works financially and logistically because at the end of the day we like you know we all have jobs we all work we all earn um and part of the reason the whole record label thing has not really been our bag is that we don't want to be tied to a debt so i think we hopefully we will Chad's got Chad's kind of got a couple of things in the pipeline with work at the moment with his job and stuff which means he might be more flexible so it it means that we might end up being out on the road more than we have currently so we'll see yeah I mean the, if the hospitality remains the same that we've received and like that's like the cleansing you know what I mean like because it's so draining the days are draining which in any band it would be um, but you know we're not getting any younger. Uh, it is draining. So having that hospitality and having um, getting a shower every night, yeah, I mean, like, like like a small thing. Getting a shower after you play those sweatiest fuck I shows mean, and you're dying is the best feeling. We wake up and go, well, "What city are we in next?" You know what I mean? Like it's it is a complete cleansing. Um, so if like obviously that's just part of Dan working hard on the booking and all that stuff, but I've, it's the people that we deal with and the fans, like the way they give the kickback of like 
how they uh, enjoyed the show and just maybe their take on our music, whatever it may be. Like that's so humbling, but also too, that is a cleansing too because that is why you made it in a way. You made it for yourself, but you you want somebody to respond to it well. And so it excites you even more to see what the next city is going to bring or if it's a city you've been to before, how the show was great last time to, you know, it's going to be just probably even better this time. It's So there's a lot of that that ties into it, which makes you want to tour more, you know, but there has to be a balance in life. And um, I think bands you don't want to be in a city too much too often because then people won't come to your shows. So, you know, there's a, there's a balance. And if you got a balance between life and this side of life, the road or whatever it may be with music, it, it can work if you've got a good product. Yeah. It really yeah, can. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. Well, guys, as someone who's seen what a fifth of your shows, almost maybe a sixth <laughs> of your shows, <laughs> your total After shows. Tonight, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am, uh, yeah, immensely looking forward to more touring. If that d- is a possibility, guys, thank you very much thank for you. your time. Appreciate it's it. been an absolute pleasure. Uh, and yeah, I look forward to that third record. Yeah. I look forward to Me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Thanks Thank very much, Rambo. Right. Thank you. Cheers, man. All right, there you go. Wow. There we go. No felching in that interview. No. <laughs> well, there wasn't in... <laughs> Fascinating stuff, Rimfrey. <laughs> Fascinating stuff. Um, so uh, there you go. That was you talking to Frontier. We will be trying to do many more kind of interviews and stuff like this with, mm. with bands of all different ills. We try and respect the bands and what they do musically rather yeah. than the amount of tickets they pull, which is yeah. why we thought, you know, it was important to give the, uh, those guys a, a big old um, chunk of the podcast because, like you quite rightly said, they are a band who are um, changing people's perceptions to what heavy music currently can do. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Anyway, um, just before we go really quickly, you went to see Godmother and then yes. we'll go. Yes. Okay. So last night I went to uh, Godmother at the Dev uh it's the devonshire arms in uh in london but no one calls it the devonshire arms it's the dev um just this uh classic old school heavy metal pub kind of thing they you know you walk in they usually play venom and stuff like that um it's not suited to shows really uh the dev at all but um that doesn't matter with godmother because they are absolutely they 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 would just pushing the limits of everything i mean sebastian was just constantly crowd surfing in this tiny 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 pub and uh there were some people it was a free entry show yeah so there were some people who were just there to have a drink and it was basically like if you're in this building you're getting involved in this show and uh there was like the security stage manager was very like it it was one of those shows which it felt like it could have ended at any moment Mm. And there were a few kind of, um, I think, uh, the the people at the dev tried to um, maybe hijack the show a little bit. Uh, they actually turned off the mics at one point. Mm. And so the band just turned the guitars up louder and carried on <laughs> playing. And it was so kind of like rebellious and the, the punk spirit of it. And it really felt like, like, it felt like someone might call the police at some point kind of show it was really really intense and they were like you need to cut your set now you need to stop and godmother were like two more songs two more songs um and they're like okay and all they instead of doing two more songs they just made all of their songs run into each other so they actually did about six songs but because because the staff didn't have a clue what the songs were they they just they were so good they could just make them all run together um it was they're just they're in 
Incendiary. 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 They they are just brilliant, man. I I I I absolutely love that band. I think they're really. It really feels like they're starting something pretty amazing, um, and not enough people know about it yet. And that, those records, they've got two albums, and they're both incredible. These incredible melds of death metal and hardcore and sludge, in some cases. They're brilliant albums, and I really think more people need to know about this band. Yeah. Um, I heard some of the uh, shows on this tour didn't like sell very well at all, I will say. So I think it's... a real shame that people don't seem to know about this yet but godmother are you know if you're missing you know if you miss dillinger and stuff like that you really need to get on godmother it's they're just absolutely amazing and yeah it was one of those shows where you felt like it could have gone off at any point in terms of you know you know when you get scared at shows Mm. it was that I was actually quite scared, but it was great. That's excellent. Um, They were, they were, yeah, they were absolutely fantastic. I hope they're coming back soon. I don't know if they are or not, but um, if they do, you absolutely, it's mandatory. If you like heavy music, it is mandatory that you check them out. They're incredible. Sweet. Okay. Well, there you go. Another stellar Riot Act podcast. (laughs) I, th- I think we can all agree. Um, <laughs> thanks very much for listening. Uh, thanks again to Musicism. Go over there, musicism.net. Put in Riot in capital letters and you'll get 25% off all courses, which will teach you how to be a better guitar player, singer, and producer, and human. Yes. Uh, and we will see you next week, where we'll be talking, amongst other things, about the new album from Clutch. Yeah. Which is always worth talking about. And I'm going to go and see Andrew Neil do the last ever history of heavy metal show at the underworld with a full band excellent so we're going to have a little bit of uh comedic um i need some comedic resources then yeah. <laughs> well, a good comedy that. interlude yes we're going to have a comedy <laughs> interlude from andrew neil but anyway that's for next week thanks very much for tuning in say goodbye renfrey goodbye renfrey oh, oh. comedy <laughs>